Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Jay Nolaism. I am your host, Jasmine Nola. So before we get this episode started, let me just say this. This is a totally different podcast than I've ever done before. This episode is not even the reason I started this podcast. I started this podcast to just be myself, be funny, talk about reality, TV, pop culture, celebrity gossip, all the stuff that I usually talk about on here. And this week, I just couldn't do that. I couldn't come on here and I couldn't like crack jokes and be funny and talk about Lisa Renna or Kyle Richardson. It just, it would be inauthentic of me as a black woman to do that this week. Um, I was contemplating if I would do an episode at all. And then it just, it hit me that, no, I definitely should do an episode and I should say something. Um, So I came up with this idea to invite people on to my podcast. Um, They are not here in person. They are through calling and Zoom before anybody gets all up in arms. Um, So I have basically a panel of people um, who are different races, come from different backgrounds, who have grown up totally different, who are going to talk about what they think of this whole situation um, and what they feel they can do, and they just want their voice to be heard. So I have this platform. I have a voice. That's why I started a podcast. So it'd be dumb of me to not sit here and use it and bring other people on to say what they need to say. So I hope um, everyone enjoyed this episode. I have people that I've known since high school on here. I have people that I've only known a few years. And I have, there's one girl on here that I don't even know. I've never met her, but she reached out to me and she wanted to come on here and talk. So I'm giving her that opportunity and I'm so grateful that she wants to be on. So I just hope everyone listens to this and learn something from this because what's going on in the world is, is not okay. It's never been okay. And I'm not going to get on here and preach um, because I want everyone to say what they need to say. But what I will say is, if you do not think that what is going on in the world is wrong, then you are the issue and you are the problem. And I think this podcast is perfect for you and you should listen to it so that your mind can be opened up to new things and that the ignorance that you have can be pushed aside. Um, So if you are someone who doesn't understand what's going on, I think this podcast is perfect for you. And if you are someone that, you know, does agree but doesn't know the right things to say, maybe someone on here will say the things that you've been trying to say. I get it. This is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to do this, but I have to do it. So before we start, there is just one more thing, one more thing that I need to say before I bring my guest on. Before I start this, I just want to say, this is what I'm saying is not to make anybody feel bad. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not saying names. It is for a group of people that I know personally. And I need you to hear this. I want you to hear this. And I hope that moving forward, you change and you do better. So to my non-black friends, particularly my white friends that I text with every day, the ones I go out with and drink with, have deep conversations with. Where were you this week? Again, this is not to make anybody feel bad. This is me being honest and sharing my feelings. 
I have a lot of white friends and most of you were silent this week. I could have texted you, but I can be honest and say that I was afraid of what I would get back, the exchange that we would have had. So for that, I am a coward, but so are you. I don't hate you. I'm not angry with you. What I am is hurt. I'm disappointed. Why are you silent? Why don't you want to post about this issue on social media? Your silence speaks volumes. If I was Sandra Bland, would you post it? If Robbie was Mike Brown, Oscar Grant, or the hundreds of other black men that have been killed for no reason, would you speak up? That's where my mind goes when you were silent. Your silence tells me that you don't care. Your silence tells me that you don't care about me. Your silence tells your silence tells me that I don't matter to you. Your silence also makes me feel less than. All those times that we laughed and cried, told each other that we loved each other and would have each other's backs. You don't have my back. You aren't showing me that you love me or that my friendship matters to you. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you don't know what to say. I get that. I'm scared. I don't know what to say. But I don't have the privilege to stay silent. My silence might equal my death one day. If you are my friend, if you claim to be my friend, then speak up. Show me that you are by my side in this fight. And if you feel this is not your fight, I'm not your friend. Again, I'm not going to name names. But I want you to hear me clearly when I say this. If I have not seen a post from you or heard from you, I have made a decision about our friendship. Actually, you made it. You've shown me how you see me. I'm not your girl, your sister, your best friend, your favorite person in the world. I'm just your black friend. Your token black friend. I blame myself for this. I blame myself for joking with you and not speaking and not speaking about race more. I blame myself for letting my privilege as a light-skinned woman make me forget I have a duty. I still love you and I'll always love you, but I need you to show me that you love me. It's not by you commenting on my Instagram post when I have a cute outfit on. It's by you standing next to me in this fight telling me you have my back no matter what. It's by you saying, I don't understand your pain, but I'm here for you. It's by you showing your other friends that you stand with me. It's by you not being silent. And with that, we are going to go into the episode. And again, I hope everyone really learned something from this. Thank you. nervous don't be nervous okay Okay. hi everybody I am here with my first guest of one of my best friends Ariel hello everybody hello podcast this is my this is crazy second time on the podcast your second time totally different vibe yeah 
it's a different vibe. New territory, but we're here, we're back, we're better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, usually with this podcast, I do the, oh, what's your name? How do we meet? But I'm just not gonna do that with you because you've been on before. So if anybody wants to know um, how we met, they can go to um, your episode before. But we want to keep this about one thing and we're going to keep it. We're not going to try and not to venture off onto other topics. Um, So in my intro, I actually kept it really vague and I did not mention anybody. I didn't mention the names. I was just like, if you think what's going on right now is wrong. Like if you think what's going on right now is right, then you're totally wrong. Like if you're not upset about any of this, then I can't understand you. And Mm -hmm. if you're, if you aren't upset about any of this and you listen to my podcast all the time, then I said, this is the best time to, I think you'd need this episode more than anyone. You should be listening to this to open your mind. So what we're going to talk about today is George Floyd um, and just the injustice of being black in America. Uh, but first, before we start, I want Arielle to just say her name, her age, her profession, and her race. <clears throat> yes. So I'm Arielle Hermanson. I'm 26 years old. Um, I'm a social media producer at BET, and I am Black. I am Black and white. My mother is white. My father is Black. Um, yeah, that's me. All Let's right. Let's do this thing. Are you ready? Am I ready? Uh, is anyone ever ready for shit like this? No, no, I know I'm not. Okay. Can I cuss on you? You can curse. Okay. Especially <laughs> now. More. Yeah, I'm, more. I got some shit. I got some things to say. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> what I want to ask you first, even though we've seen this happen more than once, I personally have felt like I think this was everyone's breaking point. So, what was the first thing you felt when you saw? the video of George Floyd? Um, you know what? I had this conversation yesterday with somebody um, just about how different this time does feel. Yeah. And it really, I don't know, it doesn't hurt, like the other times didn't hurt any less um, or make me any less sad or any less angry than this time did. But there's just something. Um, I think it's the energy from everyone else also feeling like this feels different too. Like, it's not just like I've, I saw the video and felt like it was different than any other time, but when I talk to people, they feel different. People are a little more hurt about this. Yeah. Um, when I saw the video, it was just like, I don't know. I think anytime that you see something like that, you never th- actually think like, this is gonna be the last time I see something like this. We know this isn't going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. But I think with the built up, like everyone is on isolation right now. No one can really be with the people that they love. Like everyone's a little on edge already. And I truly just felt, yes. And I feel like this was just the cherry on top. Like it already feels like something is very eerie with the pandemic happening and like things, nothing is sitting right. Nothing is normal. The world right now. There's a huge. Yes. Yes. And honestly, the pandemic is something that like, I thought just as American people, not as black people or white people, but has, have real, has really brought people together. Just like, this isn't something only one of us is experience, experiencing. Like, this is something we're all experiencing. Yeah. Um, so that was something that we could all relate to. And I think that's like the first time maybe in my adult life I felt like 
America had not, I don't even think we have a culture here in America, but I thought like, this is something that like, we can share with each other and everyone can relate to this pandemic, how we're feeling during it, whatever. And so you take that um, and that feeling of kind of togetherness or whatever you want to call it. And then you, you see something like the George Floyd video where it's like, now, obviously that's happening in America, but that, this isn't, that's not an American thing. Like this is a, a, a black people thing, you know, like, so I felt closer to my people, my friends, whatever before. And then you see this video and it's like, just a quick reminder that like, whatever togetherness we once felt during this pandemic, like that's not the case. That's not what it is here in America. Like we obviously know that, but um, I think that it feels different. And I, I in my heart feel like this is like a revolutionary moment. Like I, I don't feel like yeah, people I, are just protesting because they're sad anymore. Like people are angry. pissed the fuck off. And people are hurting. And they're tired because this isn't the first time. And as we all feel it, it won't be the last, but it needs right. to be. And I, I just feel like there was a shift with this one and it just, something feels different. Yeah. And I don't I think unless good. you're like a black person in America, you, I, obviously I'm talking in circles here. I can't explain why it feels different. I don't know why it feels different. No, I don't know either. And I don't know if it's because we had Ahmad and Brianna like a month before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like back to back, first of all, Ahmad was just like something we wouldn't have even heard of. It was also a month late. It happened in February. Yeah. We didn't get it till beginning of May. Yep. So, Which I still, I don't even know how. How did we not know about this for so long? I have no idea. That was the, that was like the first part of it. And then again, I agree with all of us being cooped up. I don't think that, I think that's another thing. People are already, we just have emotions and no one's really, you know, feeling them. And then for this, I think we're fed up. I think people are fed up. And I think for the first time, not for the first time, I can't speak for everybody, but it feels like this time no one is afraid to like put their lives on the line to fight for what is right right now. Like, I don't think there's fear in anybody's heart who's out there protesting. No, I don't. I think people are just ready to die on this shit, like die for this shit. Like, I feel that. And that, that is something that is similar to like the LA riots. Like this is giving me really nostalgic vibes of really revolutionary shit that went down and no one, there was no fear in anybody's heart. Our generation is, we haven't had one. Right. We're overdue. I agree. I agree 1000%. Also, this is the first time anybody's really left the damn house since the pandemic in large groups. Everyone said, fuck this pandemic, like fuck everything. I saw, um, I wish I remember where I saw it, but I don't know if it was on Twitter and I think it was the cut and they interviewed someone and she was like, I'm deathly afraid of COVID, but I'm also deathly afraid for my life and my son's yeah. Like It was like basically saying like, yeah, I am, I've been, I haven't left my house. The real pandemic is being black in America. Like that's it's the like, real we, pandemic. We've already, we've been in a pandemic our whole lives. Yeah. From the moment we were even thought of. Like, that's just exactly we were born what in. it is. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. No, you go. You finish. You finish. I was thinking um, just a good example of 
this for any like white listeners or whatever is, you know, I feel like there's people who are just so scared of the coronavirus and everyone is just like taking, being super precautious everywhere that they go. And I just would like for people to understand that that is how black people exist and feel every single day. Like now everyone's scared to go to the store. Like white people are finally scared to go to the store. Wow. Like welcome to our world. It's obviously a different type of fear, but like you're scared for your life to go to the store. Guess what? Example. We're scared for our lives to go to the store. We're scared for our lives to drive a car. Everywhere, like all of this, like protective gear that people put on is just like how we walk around with like this invisible shield around us. Like we hope that we can be protected. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. People don't, people, white people in America are living in fear for the first time in their lives. And I just need them to know that this is not new to us. No, it's not. That was, that was a great explanation, actually. Wow. Um, I'd be trying. <laughs> I know you hate, you know, I always joke with you, like, don't forget your half and half. Like, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Joke so I have this question mm-hmm. for you because I literally saw it yesterday. How did I know? <laughs> my, it's, it's a two-parter. So, I want to know as a biracial, as a biracial woman, how you feel, how you feel about this and how you Mm -hmm. feel like you need to use your voice. But then also I wanted to know if you saw Corey um, Wharton's live that he did from the guy from um, Team Mom. Yeah, I know Corey. Did you see his live? No, I didn't. So he, I only saw. Oh, don't tell me nothing bad. I'm going to cancel Corey. Yeah, I saw a clip Mm -hmm. and I'll send it to you. Okay. And he, it was on Twitter. I just saw a clip of it on Twitter. I didn't watch the live, but he basically was talking about how he's biracial. And his, they only did, I, don't, I didn't see the full thing, so I can't judge him, but it was like this one statement where I was like, ugh. And he was like, I'm biracial. I'm not black. Mm. So you mm-hmm. are biracial. And I just wonder <sighs> how you feel about that. I personally know, I mean, but there's I just like, a very out. simple answer to yeah. that. Yeah. When people see me, what do they see? A black woman? They, it, period. That's it. I can't, I'm, yes, if you ask me what I am on paper, I'm a biracial woman. I identify as a black woman because I can't identify as anything else. There's, I, I can't. No one looks at me and sees my white mother. And so what do I look like identifying as something that no one on this earth perceives me as and that I don't feel connected to? I'm not, I don't feel like a white woman. I'm not seen as a white woman. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, that's just how I feel. And I don't know if that offends people. Um, I don't give a fuck if that offends people. Like, I feel how I feel. And to say you're biracial and you're not black, that is, I mean, that doesn't make sense. When I look at Corey Wharton, Corey Wharton is a black black man. He's a black man. And when he gets pulled over by the cops, he's a black man. And he has a black child, two black children now. And they have a black father. So yeah, that is not, no. So how I feel about this being being biracial is I don't feel about this being biracial. I feel my only feelings towards this are feelings as a black woman. And this this is not, I know that like we talked about this before and just like the privilege we have just from being light-skinned or like, yeah hair texture and things like that. Yes, that's a whole different conversation for another day. In this moment, I feel what my people feel. And that is 
anger and sadness. I don't feel anything that a white woman would feel right now. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not half and half, but I still consider myself in that biracial realm, but I'm just a black woman. Yeah, light-skinned black people, I mean, we have a certain privilege that our dark-skinned... I don't have. Right. But I'm still a black woman, and I'm not going to ever pretend, like, I can't understand because I'm a few shades lighter, or my hair... I don't have to have a perm or my curls are a little bit loose than regular curls. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. When, if people, people, I think pick and choose like what biracial person is black and not because I'm going to tell you one thing, Barack Obama is a black man oh, and cool. he has the white mother, just like I have a white mother. Colin yeah. Kaepernick is a black man and he has a white mother just like I have a white mother. Tracy Ellis Ross is a black woman and she has a white father. Like picking and choosing when to be white, when it's convenient for you, like Corey Wharton seems to be, is not something that I get down with. And I don't get down with biracial people who do that. Yeah, I don't use my whiteness for anything. If I'm awarded privilege, it's not because I'm asking for it. You know what I mean? It's because of what I look like. Um, I'm not going around and picking and choosing when to be white. When I'm around white people, I'm still a black woman. I don't try to be like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think Corey Wharton should look at the Barack Obamas and the Colin Kaepernicks of the world and the J. Coles of the world and realize that he is a black man and I hate to break it to him. But that's some fucking coon shit that he said. So that's how I feel about that. And she's up, people. I mean, I, I need to wake going. up a little bit. It's just crazy because I saw it yesterday and I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you. And I know I want, I, I wanted to ask you about being biracial. Just to, I, I know how you feel, but I wanted other people to hear. It. So when I saw this, I was like, I hate that he said this, but perfect. I'm going to ask her how she feels. No, I think that that's a really good thing to bring up. And I'm happy that you did because I have biracial friends too. And I've been talking to them during this. And like, there is some things that you want to say about it and just calling out other biracial people who may have the thought processes that uh, Corey Wharton does too. I don't feel like that's the time. And I also think that like, yeah, I, I just don't think it's the time to like, to separate myself from no anybody else, you know, like, well, as a biracial woman, like I don't want to say that, but I also just want to put out a call to action. Like y'all motherfuckers are black. <laughs> And I hate to break it. Your mom is black. Your daddy's black. You're black. And that's how I see you. And that's how America sees you. So. Amen. Um, Okay. My last question for you. Mm -hmm. You are huge on social media, on your own platform. And then you also Mm -hmm. with BET. Mm -hmm. What do you think? One, you can do to make a change and as having, running a a totally, like a brand, basically, social media's page, how can you make a change there as well in your personal and work? Um, Visibility. I mean, I don't, it's, it's really hard to say that social media, I mean, 
to be honest, people think that social media can't do anything, but I think that in Ahmad Arbery's case, social media did that. Social media got those guys arrested. You know what I mean? So when people say like, it's just social media, that's so out. It's not just social media anymore. Who we are on social media is who we are. Like when someone tweets something and they're like, don't take it serious into just Twitter. It's not just Twitter. Mm-mm. Every if, if I send you a text of how I'm feeling just because I'm texting it and not saying it to your, your face doesn't take any of the se- severity out of it or the seriousness out of it or anything like whatever I put out there is a direct reflection of me yeah so the only things that I share are things that I care about are things that are relevant to my life and it, it's just pieces of me and my life that I'm sharing with everybody and I think that the excuse of it's not, it's just social media is a cop-out, is lazy. Um, for people who are like, well, I don't want to, sh- I don't want to post anything because I feel like it's just a post. What's that going to do? Or I'm doing the work in real life. Okay. So do both. I'm doing the work in real life too. And my social media is flooded with this shit right now. Cause yeah. it's just about visibility. Like people will post about their favorite shows or live tweet their favorite shows or you know, whatever else they care about, fucking animal cruelty and shit like that. People, people will always post things that they feel connected to. Yeah. So my question for the people who aren't posting this is why? Hmm. Why? Why do you think that you can post about PETA or being vegan or animal cruelty and things like that? um, But you can't post about this. I don't understand why are we picking and choosing what's like if we are picking and choosing what's important to us thank you for exposing yourself because these are people that I don't want around me these people I don't want to be associated with um if people are afraid to fuck up their uh algorithm or Hmm. their the look of their page or whatever by Hmm. posting about Black Lives Matter not a friend to me (laughs) never heard of you (laughs) like this is Social media is just the only place, I mean, aside from actual people hitting the, hitting the ground and taking the streets and protests right now, like, this is the only place we can really be heard. And people hear us. People yeah. really do hear us. Well, so. it's funny you say that because I saw something on Twitter yesterday and it was like, people are, like, that are scared to post because they'll lose, like, a brand partnership. They were like, who, what brand are you working for? The KKK? Like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> Like people, if you're putting a check over a black body, then some something's wrong with you. Like, where's your moral compass? Yeah. Where is your moral compass? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure the people who are breaking these brand deals, like, listen, you were good before you got that brand deal. Why would you want to work with a company that doesn't allow you either to be yourself or time, like... I saw um, Jackie Ina. Do you do you uh, watch Jackie Ina on YouTube? I don't, but I always like whenever she posts something, it for some reason comes up on my Twitter. So I basically do, but not. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, um, but she called out brands um, like yeah. Pretty Little Thing and Fashion Nova and Revolve and stuff, saying like basically the same thing we say to white people every day is like y'all appropriate our culture and capitalize off of our culture and monetize off of our culture um, by selling things that are black people style like that's just what it is yeah um but have nothing to say about the racial injustices and it just doesn't really make sense um but 
where I'm going with this is she also posted like shout out to the brands that are giving me time. Um, Cause you know, when you're an influencer, like you have deadlines to meet, like you have to post things at a certain yeah, time on a certain be. day. Yeah. And she said that a lot of the brands that she's working with are like push back, like whenever you feel ready to post, like, cause you don't, nobody really wants to be talking about this and, and in the middle of it, be like, look at this new face mask that I, you know, like no one wants to do an ad post during a time like this. It's just not where anybody's head is at. Um, yeah. And so I do think, yes, there's shit brands, but I think something is to be said about, well, you know what? They don't get a fucking cookie for doing the right thing. So I'm not even going to give them a, a pat no, on the no, back. No. The thing is like for being human. Yeah. Like, let me stop right there. Yeah. No, yeah. But it's sad that we feel like that needs to be. Yeah. Really... But I think it's interesting. Yeah. Like we need to praise it because it doesn't happen often. So it's like, I think yeah. I talked about it before. Like when, oh, what was it that I posted? Oh, hello, Fendi. Um, what was it that I posted? I can't even remember. Uh, but I posted something basically like, oh, I think about Sierra and um, Russell Wilson. And I was like, he's a great man, but why do we have to give him a cookie for that? No, that's, that's true. That's, that, that's to be said about a lot of things. Yeah, that's to be said about a lot of things. Like, I think I think you're so right. Like, obviously, this is going a little bit off topic, but in the same realm of like, oh, you're a good man. Okay, as you should be. But I think that um, something that's also been making me mad about, not mad, but just, I don't know how, I'll see how you feel about this. Mm -hmm. People are, you and I had a conversation about our white friends and what they're posting or maybe what they're not posting, right? Yep. So I see people now taking the attention off of the Black Lives Matter movement and off of this okay. and now saying like, shout out to my white friends who are posting like, I love y'all. What? What? How do we still find a way to make this about praising white people? I've, I haven't said thank you to any of my white friends. And it's not because I'm not thankful, mm-hmm. but this is what y'all should be doing you're doing what you should be doing yeah I'm not going to in any other situation if you're being a good friend to me I'm not gonna be like thank you so much for being a good friend to me oh you showed up on time thank you so much for being on time oh you were there for me when I was sad when I needed to vent thank you so much so I'll be damned if I'm gonna thank you for being a decent human being yeah well that's I'm not doing it no I literally just posted this girl who I will say and I'll say her name Marielle we went to middle school together. Mm-hmm. We have followed each other on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. Mm-hmm. And she posted something just literally before we got on here on Facebook. And it was just long saying like, I know where I stand. And me and her had been talking all week. And she was like, I have, she was like, I cannot scroll through Facebook and see something ignorant one more time. She was like, I, ju- mm-hmm. I just can't do it. She's like, but I'm trying to say, she's like, I want to articulate myself the right way. Like, I want to say it. And I was like, listen, I was like, I get that. I was like, I feel the same way. Like, you don't just want to, when you're angry and you're typing and then you feel like you're missing, you want to go back and say something or whatever. And she just posted this thing and I screenshot it and posted it. And I was like, thank you for being an ally because you don't, you don't have to do this. And a lot Mm -hmm. of you aren't doing this. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, I also didn't just post this. She was like, I made a whole PowerPoint for my dad to educate mm-hmm. him. And I was like, well, see, that's the further step. 
That's yeah. what you mean. And I That's understand more. You say it's not just posting. It's not. We want you to post, but we also want you to do action. I was like, that right. is amazing. You taking that time out, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can shrug it off and be like, that's my dad, but I know where I am. Yeah. It's not your duty to educate your parents. Mm-hmm. It's not my, it, the same way it's not my duty to educate you. Right, exactly. So I was like, th- I was like, I'm going to thank, I was like, thank you for doing that. I was like, because you don't have to do that. And a lot of people aren't doing that. I was like, and that's what we say when we say we want an ally. Yes, we appreciate the posting, but we want more than that. Right. The, the posting is the first step to know that you see this, that you acknowledge it. Right. The posting isn't all. That's and not, just that's letting us know that you're standing with us. I think that that's what's important. Cause I think in this, in these times we can't be with people. So like the only thing we know, which is like I said about social media, it's not just social media. It's a reflection of who you are. So if you are not, I can only judge people I know on there by what they post. Yeah. So if I don't see you posting and I don't see you supporting, the only thing I can think is that you don't support it and you don't care and you, and you agree with what's going on. That's, mm-hmm. the only, that's the only way I can take it. Um, but no, I get it, what you're saying. I just don't, I myself can't really fix my lips to say thank you. No, I feel what you're saying. No, I agree. With you. I, I I get what you're saying. Also, now, now I want to take my thank you. <laughs> but I well, it's just how we're conditioned. We're really conditioned, and that's how I felt in the moment. I think because also not seeing it, it meant so much to see it. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen. I agree, it. and also like white friends. You know, in addition to to just posting, like send a text to your black friends and say, "I'm here." Yeah. I'm here for you and do it in a timely manner. Like when shit's going down and maybe you can't find the words to say, yeah, just send a text. I'm here for you. And I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Oh, I see you. And that's really just that, but also it don't, it doesn't take any energy to share a post. It doesn't take anything at or all. share a resource. And I think what I, what also I think that white people should know is like, if you don't know the things to say, um, you can say that, like you can say, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, know to, what say. to say. I'm a white person. I don't know what to say. Um, I don't know what my lane is or what my, what my place can be in this. It's okay to be confused. And I think there's more white people who feel like that too, but that's the thing about social media. You can be yourself. Like you can, be vulnerable and people relate to vulnerability. Yeah. So if I'm a, if I'm a white girl and I'm posting like, listen, I don't really know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I just want you to know that I support you. That's enough for me. You know how many white girls who feel like that and are going to contact you and be like, I feel this way. I want to say something too. I just don't know what. So thank you for sharing this. You know what I mean? Say something. Say you don't know what to say. It's fine. It's literally fine. No one is expecting everyone to know how to handle it perfectly. I don't want, I don't need you to be an activist. I don't need you to be Jane Fonda with your fist up in the air. I would appreciate if you were that, but if you're not, that's not what I'm asking you to be. I'm asking you to show me that I'm your friend and that you stand by me. Right. Call me your friend, your girlfriend, your BFF, this person, that person. If you don't show up for me. Yep. And that means it's not just in the fun times, in the fun times. And you can come to my birthday parties and stuff. Okay, cool. That's not showing up. No, this right here is showing up. Yeah. What what is going down right here? How you're supporting your black friends through this time is showing up. 
or lack thereof. Yeah. And it really is exposing a lot of people, but I'm thankful for it because at this point in my life, I mean, quantity, quality over quantity, we already knew that, but this is, you know, it was a new, I don't even want to, I don't even want to be associated with people who can't find it within themselves to speak on this type of shit. I don't, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be your family member. I don't want anything to do with people who feel that they couldn't be bothered to take a stance on this. And so honestly, thank you to the people who have exposed themselves because I unfollowed about 50 people in the last two days, just because (laughs) you don't see, if I haven't seen you say anything, but I know that you have all these black friends or you listen to our music and do all this girl, fuck you. Bye. What do you do for me? What the hell could you do for me? If you don't care about my life, I don't need your fucking ugly ass. Like, I don't need any of that from you. No, there is no man or woman who looks good enough for me to follow that doesn't care about my life. I don't care about anything else. You do not care about my life and what's going on right now. Then you are a non motherfucking factor to me. Not the basketball wives quote. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um. So to close out, is there is there just anything you? I I mean, you've said a lot, and I think all great things. But is there anything that you wanted to say? Um. You know. I just like I said, I'm just going to kind of repeat what I said. Just like, if I'm going to thank anyone for anything, it's not going to be for the support. It's just going to be for showing people who you are, for showing me who you are. Like, and this is not a public thank you to anybody for supporting, but like for the people who have been supporting, for the white people who have been supportive, um, it's, I'm, I'm reassured to know I've made good decisions with the people who I choose to be around. Yeah. And in the same breath, I'm reassured with the people who aren't saying anything that now I do not feel bad cutting those ties. You know, like this is kind of just the wake up call that I needed, that everyone needed, I think. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like, I hate that it always takes a tragedy to bring people together, but I'm always proud to be black and to be a black woman. And when things like this happen, and I see how we really show up for each other. It's amazing. There's literally nothing on earth. I don't care how hard it is for us. There's nothing on earth I'd rather be. Yeah. I don't want, and I, I think that's another thing for people to know. It's, I still want to be black. Yeah. Even yeah. though I'm I would, I would do this 20,000 times, 20 over. lifetimes over. I want to still come back as a black woman every yep. single time. Yep. Me too. And I hope to God that I do. Amen. <laughs> I hope to God that I do. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're not black, I feel like <laughs> there's two ways to be in this country. If you're not black, you want to be black or you just want to be black. That's it. That's it. That's it. This, no, there's nothing without black people. There's nothing without black culture. And everybody knows that. And I'm just glad I don't have to pretend to be black. What a privilege that is. That's to not have to pretend to be not black. To pretend. Wow. Yep. Ariel, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You know, well, I had to come speak my piece. You did. Well, I appreciate you and um, I love you. And I love you. Thank you for doing this. All right. Of course. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Of course.
All right, everybody, we are here with Jessamino. And Hi. in my intro, I talked about how I had one person who I've never met before, <laughs> but that you reach out, that you reached yeah. out to me. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that. Because thank you. Yeah, of course. That's I'm so happy to be here. Um, so if you could just give everyone your name, age, profession, and your race. Okay, yeah, my name is Jeff. I am 32. I'm a high school English teacher, and I am white. Okay. All right. Um, I'm basically just asking everyone this, just to, I'm sure everyone kind of has the same answer, but sure. what was the first thing you felt when you saw the video of George Floyd? I mean, it, there's so many kind of, like you said, yeah. a lot of similar things. Um, horrified is probably the first because you you watch someone get murdered by a police officer so it's yeah. it's horrifying and then I think after that initial kind of just struggling to understand how how these things continue to happen in 2020 then comes you know sorrow feelings of sorrow and anger and all of these other kind of secondary feelings but I would say horrified was the first the first yeah. emotion that I felt yeah I was shocked uh, yeah and and it's crazy because in one sense I'm like, but was I? Like I was shocked, but it was like this teetering of like, I'm shocked that I'm watching this, but also like this isn't the first time we've seen this. Like we saw it with Eric Garner. Like we've yeah. seen this before, and each time it doesn't get easier to watch. And I, and I think that that's even that same. And then I felt myself being shocked that I was shocked, which then exactly sadder. Yeah, it, it, it should it should be shocking, but unfortunately, this is not like a one-time thing, we see this all the time, um, which is, you know, then there's just a whole other wave of things to feel. Yeah. Um, so as a white woman, like, what do you think that you could do to make your, to get your point across to not, I guess, more to other white people? Like, what could you do? <laughs> so something that I, you know, um, think about a lot and have talked about a lot at work, um, in professional development stuff. Um, and then I'm in a, I'm right now in a graduate program for school counseling. Um, and the focus of the program that I'm in at my, at my school, they, um, they focus a lot on social justice. So we talk a lot about privilege, which I think is so important because what I see from a lot of other white people who mean well, or think that they mean well, is that, is that a lot of white people have a tendency to get really defensive when talking about racial privilege yes. and and I think some of that comes from misunderstanding I've heard white people say well I grew up really poor and they're talking about socioeconomic privilege and not just yeah. the idea that as a disconnect. right right and and then I think that there are some people who just don't want to acknowledge it because it's easier for them not to um and people feel guilty about white privilege. And that's one of the things that's, that's hard to kind of ignore. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Like you, you know, you didn't ask for this privilege, but you need to recognize it and you need to acknowledge how you benefit from it. And I think that's the first, the first thing that people can, can do is, is they really, you really have to get over yourself and get yeah. over whatever you think you're fighting and, and just acknowledge that as a white person in this country, you are going to have privileges that other people are not, that people of color don't have. Yeah. Um, and you need to acknowledge it. And then as someone, as a white person, in knowing that I, I have, have racial privilege, how can I use that to help people who don't? 
And I think that's the, the easiest thing is to just, it's uncomfortable to talk about, you know, privilege and things like that, but you have to get over it. Like we're at a point where it, it, you have to get over it. We have it. to all be uncomfortable at this point. It's We have to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, I actually just finished reading, I don't know if you've read it or heard of it, Untamed by Dan Doyle. I'm reading it right now <laughs> for a book club. I literally loved it from yeah. the front to the end. Like it was an amazing read and she has a chapter on racism which was actually her longest chapter which again i appreciate her for doing that because her chapters are really okay. short but it, yeah. it's the longest chapter and in it she talked about privilege and you actually said it like you know you get defensive and why people get defensive and she was saying is like you know you're gonna say the wrong thing right they're gonna correct you like and you need to take that instead of being like well at least i'm trying right no no one's saying that <laughs> it's bad and to stop what you're doing i'm correcting you on you might have just said something that's kind of a little ignorant is a little racist you can't say that it's not right and you literally hit the nail on the head you get defensive and it's like you have to be open to knowing that you're gonna be wrong right and, and no one's asking you to be a hundred percent right no and nobody is and i no, think you know i don't even know what to say <laughs> or do this is this shouldn't it's not the it's the norm but none of us know what the right thing is right. right and we have to work together um to 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 kind of recreate a new narrative for this country and it's it's hard and it's it's you know obviously it, it it's something that i think a lot of people want to be divisive people want to say this is you know we can't do this together or let's let's make it as hard as possible and it shouldn't be and it, it's really not you know you, you mentioned that ignorance and i think it's one thing people aren't ignorant on purpose no, but when somebody tells you you're ignorant, you don't know what you're talking about, and I can tell you about it, or you can read about it, that's the that's when it becomes a, a failing on an individual. When people say, "Okay, I don't know, but I'm not going to learn. I don't want to learn. I don't want to be educated. I don't want to." Yep. The, the best way to learn is to recognize what you don't know, and people have to be willing and vulnerable to do that. And it's not always easy, but. At this point, I think especially like as a white American, it's like get you gotta get over it. Yeah. You gotta like you get over it. Open your eyes and be like, okay, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. I was listening to another podcast and it was a woman and she was like, you know, she was like, I was a stay at home mom. She was like, but I was watching news and I saw kids in cages and I was like, Okay, no, this is wrong. What yeah. do I need to do? Yeah. What can I do? Right. And I think that's where like we people watch the news and are like, Oh, that's sad click next right. thing like or i can't watch the news anymore okay but you need to i get it it yeah. sucks it's depressing but then how do you know what's going on and then when someone calls you out for not knowing what's going on you get upset right right there's no there's no reason for people to be uh, it, it, you can be uneducated but you have resources no matter yes. your background where you come from if you can you know post a, a video on instagram you can also google what can i do how do I become an advocate? How do I become aware of, of what's going on and how I can be helpful to people who unfortunately have been disenfranchised for the entire history of our country? Like now with all the resources we have, just read something. Now is like maybe before in our parents' generation that you had that excuse. Right. Today there's no excuse. There's no excuse. There just isn't. Yeah. And the same way you can easily like talk about the bachelorette or anything like this. <laughs> you can, and I do, and that's the thing. Like I talk about all those things and I love all those things. 
but then I also understand what's going on in the world and you have to kind of know that you can't just be in one realm. You kind of have to open up and do, and that's honestly, this is the first time I'm ever doing this on my podcast. And that's where I was like, I can't just sit and not do anything. That doesn't make me any better than the people that I'm calling out saying that they're silent. And I, I think that that, like, I think it's really admirable. And I, I think that it's incredible that you're even just, even using a platform that you already have to say, okay, I'm going to do something more and let's have this conversation. And when, you know, Ariel is our mutual friend and when she posted, she shared that you were doing this, I said, I can be a part of that. I can, yeah. be, what can I do? Cause you wonder, what can I do? I see these videos and, and what can I do in my day-to-day life? And I said, well, I can, you know, I can talk about this. Yeah, I can, I can talk to somebody I've never met before and, and have a conversation and, and learn something. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I had a few people, other white women, like reach out to me and be like, this is amazing, da, da, da. And I was like, do you want to be on? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't know the right thing to say. And I was like, no one knows the right thing to say. Yeah. And I still had another woman be like, I would love to have an open discussion, um, just not on a podcast form, which I totally understand. But then I was thinking, I was like, you know, that's also a privilege that you have to say that you don't want to have this conversation. And it doesn't make you a bad person. Listen, I get it. It, It's a big thing to ask on this and do this. But after she said that, it took me a minute and I was like, okay, I understand. But as I was like writing back to her, I was like, but see, I don't have that privilege to not say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone reaching out saying, this is amazing, but no, no, I don't know what the right thing to say. And that's why I made it a one-on-one thing. I didn't want it a panel because I wanted everyone to feel comfortable to just say what you want to say. Because again, I don't know what to say. I don't know the right words. I'm not an activist. I don't, but I think everyone just needs to open up and not think about being, as we said before, being uncomfortable. We're all going to be uncomfortable. Whether the conversation is just one-on-one, not on a podcast form, but if it is, what's wrong with that? Like you kind of have to open up and be like, I got to think, I got to think about the bigger picture, not about myself, not about my feelings, not about me being uncomfortable. Right. George Floyd wasn't comfortable. Right. you know, and I think you, like, even what you just said about, which, you know, that it's, it's so hard to hear that even you saying, like, I have to speak, like, as a woman of color, I have to speak, I don't have it. I think that's another thing that as, you know, white people in this country, we need to take the onus of responsibility off of people of color who, you know, are, are grieving and dealing with the things that are happening. I know how I felt, but I also know that I'm a white woman, so it's a different experience for me, and if I can engage in this conversation because you shouldn't feel like you have to and I think that that's another thing you know white people shouldn't you know look be looking at their black and brown peers and saying you need to teach me about this like we gotta we gotta step up this is a this is an American thing and and as white Americans we have to you know protect and speak for and 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 build these these relationships and have these conversations with people of color for the, for the betterment of humanity. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. I always say like, you know, it's not my job to educate you, but I don't mind having, but then I used to say, I will say like, I do feel like it's not my job to educate you, but if you come to me and you're saying like, I want to like, I don't know the right thing to say. What is it that I can do? That's totally different than you being like, what, what like, as you said, like, well, I don't want to learn. I don't want to, I don't, I shouldn't have to educate you, but if you're coming to me, and you're truly trying to learn, I don't have a problem with that. Then I will educate you. Yeah. And also, I can educate myself in the same time. Right. Let's not pretend like we, we got African-American history 
in school. We're on the same playing field here. I have to go out to do the extra work to learn. I grew up in a predominantly white area. Mm -hmm. That's also another privilege that I had. So like I I had to, I didn't really learn or take the time to learn more about things until I was away at college and I went to school in New York. So that's just a whole other thing. You get to see everything and it's a melting pot and you get to learn new things. So it's like, I had a privilege. I was ignorant, but I took the time to learn. Again, I kind of, I felt like I had to, and I get as a white person, you might not feel like you have to, but I do think people need to just, I want everyone to just be more open. I'm not asking you to be an activist. I'm not asking you to march if you don't feel comfortable. I'm just asking you to be more open to learning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if that makes sense, but. It makes it makes perfect sense. And I, I think that, you know, I think a lot of that especially starts at home. Like I'm a teacher, I teach high school. Um, so my students are older, but I think when we talk about even just like representation in literature and having classroom books where students can read about characters of color who either are like them or completely unlike them to, to learn about that. You know, buy your kids, if you, you people who have small kids, buy your kids dolls and action figures and watch movies with different people and people, you know, from different diverse backgrounds because that exposure is kind of that, it could be the first stepping stone because you might live, you know, you might have white children and live in a predominantly white area. Um, so maybe they don't go to school with a lot of, of black or brown kids, but make that make that something that they see, make that a, a normal experience for them. And, and hopefully then they'll ask questions and they'll, they'll want to know more because it'll pique an interest, which I think is, is something else that's a responsibility that we need to take on. Well, it's two things that are funny. The first one is about the dolls. I know Kelly Clarkson has come out and said that she buys her daughter black Barbie doll, like black yeah. Barbie dolls and things like that. Yeah. And the second was my second question for you actually was as a teacher, what do you think that you, what do you think your job is, especially teaching brown and black children, like how to keep it, you know, equal to what you teach the white students. So what do you think your job is, I guess, there? So, so I think that, you know, first of all, I have a lot of like kind of control over what I can give my kids access to. So it's always very important to me that even when I teach, you know, 11th grade in, in Virginia, we do American literature. So I make sure that my students are reading black, black authors, you know, that they're reading black women authors. Um, from, from kind of the, the start to, and a lot of the earlier stuff, you know, we deal with the old scrumble letter, it's old, old dead white guy, which is its own problem. Um, but I, I, try to, I try to talk about race too. And I always say to my kids, we do, a, we do a unit on a raisin in the sun and we do a whole race unit. One of my colleagues put together this incredible project where students um, had to go back and pick an event from early America and then the civil rights movement and then contemporary. So whether um, Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee or the Black Lives Matter movement or or something more, um, even like the effect of a movie like Black Panther or Get Out and how that reflects society. So we we have this really cool project, but I say to my kids at the beginning of the unit, we're gonna talk about race and it's gonna probably feel weird, but it's okay because we're gonna do it together. and I think as far as my, like, my students who, who are, are black and brown students, that they know that they have an advocate in me. I'm, I'm very vocal about, you know, how I feel, my support of the Black Lives Matter movement, my support of 
you know, just advocacy in general so that they know that there's an adult that they can trust who is a white woman, who, who, who does have the privilege that they might not, um, who supports and, and wants to advocate for them and their rights and their freedoms and their safety in this country. That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last question, um, which I feel like we probably already answered by talking, but <laughs> um, why did you want to come on to the podcast? Because again, you could have just kept swiping through Instagram and been like, oh, that's cute. You, you know what I mean? Like you didn't have to do this. So I guess is why did you want to? I mean, you know, for me, the, the best way to have ever dealt with an overwhelming emotion is through education. Like it's my life's work. It's something I really believe in. And in feeling so upset and overwhelmed by what happened to George Floyd and what's going on. And I, I said, what can I do? And yeah. it, having a conversation is easy and it's a learning experience for me. I want to talk to more people about what they're feeling and, and what I can do to help. And this just felt like a really easy way to be involved in a, an important and necessary conversation that we should all be having. So thank you for giving me the opportunity because. No, I thank you for coming on again. Like you don't know, you could be like, this girl's crazy. No, thank you. So I appreciate you for just even being open to having this conversation. Sure. Um, and I guess another thing I have, I guess, cause right now you're you're not in school. are you still teaching or we're doing digital learning um through like june 10th okay so it's all on we do like meet google meets and they send the work online it's easier at high school than i think probably for like elementary school teachers yeah. trying to do it digitally um so is there anything that you've noticed different during like i guess this week that you had with your black and brown students? I, ha I haven't noticed anything. Um, I had one meeting at the end of the week with students and I just kind of said, hey, if you guys are, are feeling how I'm feeling or, or you don't know what to do right now, you know, you can always reach out to me, but you can, you can read, you can go online, you should use the, the resources that we had in 2020 to educate yourselves. And I, I'm hoping that some of them went and did that. Yeah. Um, but I'll continue to over the next week. This is our like, last week together, just to let them yeah. know. Yeah, I figured that's like, are you still? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think sometimes it's just, it's really important for kids to know that like, I see you, I hear you, you know, I'm, I'm crying with you and I'm hurting with you, but I, I, I support you. You know, the, the, I think just to let people know that you love and appreciate them, especially it's, it's, like, it's important. Yeah. It's all, it's all <laughs> I think that's the thing that maybe people think, um, like maybe black people want more than them. Listen, more is always welcome. And sure. we love you to stand next to us and fight with us, but just acknowledge it and be there. Even if it's Absolutely. just like a text or yeah. checking in on you. Like, checking in on your friends. Absolutely. I think that's such a big thing. So thank you so much for one yeah. coming on and also just being a teacher and the teacher that you are, because that, that means a lot. Thank you. That means a lot to say that. I'm, again, I'm so happy I can be here. This is no, it's a, big, it's a big thing. And I'm sure like, whatever you think, not th that it may be, I'm crazy, but no, I'm telling you, like, it means that the teacher that you are, that you're explaining, like, I wish I had that. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I hope I, I just, I, I hope I can do justice to my students. I, I just want them to, you know, have a no, safe I, space. I think you are 
doing over than what normal teachers thank you jasmine <laughs> no it's, it's a big thing and i and i and i get it and it must and i'm not trying to trash other teachers that don't do it because it's not easy like it's not yeah. but the fact that you do and you don't mind having a difficult conversation or an uncomfortable conversation yeah just you a little bit higher above the and i hope everyone kind of takes a note and any teach if anyone's listening that is trying to be a teacher or especially in an inner city or not even in an inner city like teach white kids about this also you know white, yeah talk to white students that's important as well i think that's another thing like it, it, it you have to be open to knowing the same way you want to teach black kids about white america you have to teach white kids about black america so thank you so much for you, doing this um I hope to have you on again. Maybe I would love to come back. I don't know if this podcast will just change altogether. Who knows what this is going to open up for me to feel like I need to do. Yeah. So I'm, well, this was awesome. I'm thankful that this happened. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I hate that it happened, but I'm right. glad to be able to use my platform and to open it up and not just talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Or Absolutely. <laughs> I could talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills all day. Oh, all day. <laughs> Same. And that's the thing, you know, and I also want to just let everyone know you can still be into both. Absolutely. Also that weird thing where like you can't be educated and you can't watch reality TV and the news. Like you can enjoy all. Yeah. Yeah. I can watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I can watch them eat salad all day and still turn on CNN and watch Don Lemon. Right. And we can still have this conversation. And we can still have this conversation and watch and put on Real Housewives of Atlanta later. It's fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jess. I, I truly appreciate you. Thank you again, Jasmine. This was awesome. Thank you for having this me. Was great. Everyone, welcome my next guest, Aria John. Um, so I've known Aria since eighth grade. Crazy, right? Crazy. Um, so usually, Aria actually was supposed to be on an episode in May before COVID happened and all that. So I will definitely have her back again. Um, but this is actually her first time on Janolaism. So a very warm welcome to her. Thank you. <laughs> Aria, I can't. I can't. All right. Oh, this is going to be like pulling teeth with this one. All right. So Aria, if you could just tell everyone, I mean, I just did, but you can still do it. Your name, your age, your profession, and your race. Okay. So my name Aria John. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I am 27 years old. I'm really old. No, you're not. I'll be 27 in July. I'll be 27. <laughs> <laughs> and I am West Indian American, um, aka Black. My parents are from Grenada, but I was born in the Grenada. I'm still stuck on the 27, but let's move I know, on. I know, I know, I know. Yes, I'm 26. 26. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, what was the first thing you, I guess, it's not the first time you've obviously seen this, but what was like the first thing you felt when you saw the video of George Floyd? Um, when I first saw the video. A little louder. Sorry. <laughs> Let me scoot up. <laughs> When I first saw the video, it was cringeworthy. Like, I honestly, I don't even know how I got through it. I yeah, I didn't, I can be honest, I didn't watch the full thing. It, it was, 
as soon when he went silent, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. And then if you look in the cop's face, there was no sort of empathy, nothing. Like he didn't let up an inch, not one inch. His hands were in his pockets. You know, like, and nobody else was doing anything. Nobody. Asian cop standing there defend trying to stop the crowd but like I just didn't understand how you could be so inhumane and just not give two yes <laughs> and not give two shits about a man's life underneath your knee you know yeah insane insane I sent it to my mom and my dad and my dad's like I don't even think I could watch this no it, it, some people can't like it's like we've seen it all though we literally saw the same thing with eric garner like we've yeah, you're seen, watching murder you're watching murder like we've seen all of this before this is nothing new but um and i said it to my last two guests something about this feels different yeah no it doesn't take away i feel okay. like, I, doesn't I feel take like away i'm repeating myself. myself no uh but like it doesn't take away from anything we've seen in the past it doesn't take away from their deaths it's just mm-hmm. as bad but there's something i and and you can't really the words for it. Yeah, you can't. But something about just triggered you differently on this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're tired. If we've had enough. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I know that it's something that there's a change about this one. There and is. I think it's me That's and Ariel. Yeah. Um, I had Ariel on earlier, and we both mm-hmm. said like, "There's this is gonna be the revolution." Like this. Oh. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, were you, uh, did you go to any protests? I did actually. I went yesterday to the one in Newark and when I tell you, I was so proud. You said the one in Newark, right? Newark, sorry. Yeah, Newark. Harvard, no, Newark. no, no, my thing <laughs> shook. I know <laughs> people get, you know, Newark, yeah. Um, Newark, New Jersey. And <laughs> It was beautiful to see everybody come together. I heard it was so peaceful. Peaceful, Jasmine. So peaceful and super informative. Like, everybody was giving speeches. You had people that were, like, from Rutgers Business School, Rutgers Law School. It was just, like, the community really came together peacefully. So peacefully. And it was so, so informative. I was happy for my people. I was like, look at us. Look at us. Well, because Janae was, Janae and her boyfriend went and oh, okay. she texted me and she was like, it was, she's like, I was nervous. She was like, because at first I wasn't going to go. And she was like, but like, how can I not? Yeah. Because, you know, she's like, the news, it's scary. Like, it's scary yeah. to you. She was like, but I was like, how can I not? And she went and she was like, Jasmine, it was so peaceful. And then I've just seen people posting. Yeah. And I was even watching, um, oh, I don't want to get his name wrong, but I think he works on Access Hollywood. Mm-hmm. His name is Scott something. I'm going to find it. And he's been posting the LA ones. Oh, yeah. But I did see something about the LA ones today, how it was peaceful, and then all of a sudden the cops started. So if you, if anyone, oh, my, I just lost Wi-Fi. That's nice. (laughs) I want to find his name. I think Um, you know what you're talking about. Let me see. I'm about to get it. His name is Scott, Scott Evans. So if you go to I am Scott Evans, I hope he saves it because um, it's his story today. So yeah. one day it might not be there, but his entire story, it's literally like a hundred like stories long. Mm-hmm. And he started from the beginning when it was peaceful. And then it goes in and the cops start doing, um, 
He said he doesn't know if it was tear gas, but it was like smoke where they couldn't breathe or smoke in the pellets thing that. And then they started doing the rubber um, bullets. Uh, yeah. At them, and then it got crazy. Yeah. But see, the news isn't showing that part. They're not. They're making it seem like we. People started. are just coming out and. Yeah. Yep. Like going crazy for no reason, and that's not what it is. So if you're gonna tell, if you're gonna show the story, they show the whole, whole story. story. Yes. People are being crazy. Yes, they're stealing Gucci bags. Yes, they're going crazy. But why? One, why are we even out there posting in the first place? Let's not act like we're we're out here. There's only one reason why this is all happening. Mm-hmm. One reason. One reason at all. So don't try and like justify something and say, well, well, this is, they act like this. So this is why. No. Uh, my friend actually sent me something today and it was so interesting. It pretty much showed the timeline as if the headline was something along the lines, this is why we're angry. And mm-hmm. it went through the timeline of when this all started. And when I tell you, hold on, I have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like so sorry. sorry. No, look for it. Um, well, you look for it. I'll ask you. So we both grew up basically in same area. Yeah. Do you think growing up in a predominantly white area gives you a different privilege than most? Hmm. Um. An honest answer. It's like I'm just. This is. Yeah, I would say yes. What do you think that privilege is? I think um, education-wise, mm-hmm. you know, um, your environment too, you know, like you go into some of these inner cities, you don't see the best food options out there. Whereas yeah. verbs like, we got the latest and greatest, you know, but um, what else? I feel like though, when you do grow up in this area, you can't, you tend to lose yourself a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. You definitely lose yourself and- And it takes a minute. It does. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Like I didn't really find my niche, truthfully, probably high school, college time. That's when I really started to have like, yeah, we were friends in eighth grade, but like I had you, I had Dominique, but like- That was it. Real, yeah, like that real minority type of love and friendship. I didn't really get that growing up in elementary school and things like that. It yeah. wasn't until college, and I'm I so think I definitely had it younger, but obviously at seven, oh, you don't, yeah, you don't yeah. know, you know, yeah. at that age, you don't know, you don't appreciate it. And then when I got to high school, I didn't have besides you and Dominique like other black friends. Mm-hmm. Consistent. I would say like consistent. Yeah. And then you have your cousins and, but you know, it's, it's, it's not, not the same on a daily basis going to school with these people and, and you yourself can get lost. You, you can, can get, become ignorant. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I, can, I, I can say that I am still, I'm still learning things like ig- ignorant. And there's, and I think people need to stop being afraid that thinking ignorant leads to racism. That's not what it is. You can oh. be ignorant on a subject mm-hmm. and I think when, if you are Black and you grow up in a predominantly white area, you have to do the extra work. You do. To you learn. Do. And you all, you, you, you don't really quite fit in, you know? No. It's like you're in this bubble. Can you hear but, me? Because you're not like with the in crowd and 
you know what I mean? I don't, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I know what you're saying. You don't fit in with like the white people completely, but then like your, I guess your black friends that are. Yeah, well, like yesterday. Yeah. You don't fit in there. It's like, oh, she's so white. So, yeah. Well, you like know? I was making fun of your voice yesterday and I was like, I hey, <laughs> no one's going to know <laughs> what race you are. And like, it, it was a joke, obviously, but you know, that's what we get all the time. Like, oh, you're oh, acting white. Oh, you, or you like, get that, so, that like hurts though. It's like, what do you mean acting white? Well, because it's also like you get it on both sides. So you, you do. get it from the black side where they say, yeah. oh my God, why are you talking so white? Mm -hmm. And then from white people, you'll get, oh, you're so articulate. Yeah. Like what do your parents do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. And at the time you don't really understand it. You don't understand it. No, at all. Because you're not learning. You're not around anyone else. You're not. But my mom, like, looking back at it, she's always told me that you have to work 10 times harder. You have to dress a certain way. You can't get away with what they do. You yeah. just Like, you know how in high school, middle school, the thing was to go to the mall on Fridays? Oh, no, I wasn't I was allowed to do that. never allowed to go to the mall on Fridays. And I never understood why until now looking at it, and I see all these little kids running around acting crazy. I'm like, I thank my mom for that. Because if I, being that black child, running around the mall acting crazy. Who knows what would have happened? Who knows? Who knows? So I wasn't allowed to go to the mall. And I also wasn't allowed, because my mom went to the same high school that we went to. Mm -hmm. And before I went to high school, she goes, Jasmine, there is a spot at the end of the day that mm -hmm. black people will stand at. Oh, he's like, do not stand there. <laughs> Go to your bus. Yes, you yes, yes. You yep. don't need to be going there. And I didn't know what she was. I was like, girl, how long? Like you were in high school, and she said she, it was when she was in high school. She was like, yeah, it's always been the spot. She was like, you do not. And it and it sucks that you have to say that to your kids. It sucks. It does. Because you don't yeah. want them to be. Because the way this this area looks at black people. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. So I can't stand next to people that are like me because yeah. the white teachers might think that I'm not smart or I won't behave in class or I'm going to yeah. be loud or I'm going to be smart or I'm going to talk back. So yeah. I can't even talk to you. And I don't know if you'll remember me like not really doing that. Mm hmm no, I, I totally understand. And then I and then I got called like uppity or I thought I was better. And it was also like, no, I'm just doing what my mom told me to do. It's true. But like that was my escape, I guess, in a sense. Like hanging out with my black friends right. in that in that area. You know, that whole like after school thing. Yeah. Woo! That was the thing. Yep, that was the thing for kids like us. Like we wanted to stay after that school. That was all we had. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so with that being said, do you think the way you view, do you, I'm trying to think how to word this, because I know I feel like this, so I'm just asking, but I'm also light-skinned, so I also feel like I have so much other things that I have to like do to prove myself. You are not, but you still, we grew up very similar. So do yeah. you feel like on top of just working hard in the white realm do you have to work hard in the black realm to prove yourself do you think and your um, blackness i guess my blackness 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, a hundred percent. As soon as I open my mouth, people know I'm not from where an inner city or yeah, yeah. they just know, you know. But uh, it's rough to talk about because it's like you don't want to seem as if you're. Not that you're not, you don't fit in because you think you're better. It's not a, you think you're better. You think you're better at all. Not at all. It's not at all. It's just, you really, you don't fit in. You don't. And it sucks because they look at you like, oh, she's bougie. To this day, I still get, oh, she's bougie. Oh, Oh, I get bougie all the time. Oh, she's acting white. Oh, she talks white or blah, blah, blah. And I'm just looking at my people and I'm like, what do you really mean when you say that I'm talking white or acting white? Like, really, let's break it break down. Break it down. Break it down for me. Why? Is it the tone of my voice? Because if that, that's one thing. Or is it how I articulate my words? Yeah. I, I just want to know. I really... I want someone to know. I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, what, yeah. what do you mean by that? Yeah. But, I don't know. Now... Now I don't, now I don't feel like I need to improve. But back then, no, no, no. And I just wanted to touch on that because we grew up very similar and I just, but again, I'm light skinning, you are not, but I feel like you Mm -hmm. still kind of went through the same thing that I think I went through. Just trying to figure it out. hundred percent. And I think sometimes people think, oh, it's just because like only light skinned girls, like it's like, no, mm -mm. Mm, be in that middle ground where you just don't feel like you fit in on either side. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have, within our race, we have that. We have colorism within our, like, that's a yeah. whole, that's a whole other topic of discussion. <laughs> right? you also if you have podcast about that, I will gladly join yeah. that one. You definitely should do that. Yeah. Um, so. How I was brushing my teeth before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about. Because, you know, like, like, my mom always told me, like, you have to dress a certain way. You have to. Yeah. You know, and there's one time in elementary school, you could not wear shorts unless they were like fingertip length. Mm-hmm. You stand up like it. Yeah, yeah. So I was wearing these shorts. Mind you, my mom picked them out. So I already knew they were finger, finger length. <laughs> and the nurse calls me into her office and is like, these shorts are not appropriate. They're not appropriate. And I'm like, Why? They're not finger to blank, whatever. And I'm like, well, what about the other girls that are wearing? She said to me, she's like, what other girls? Say their names. So I literally had to drag one of my classmates into the nurse's station with me hmm. to call her out. And I want to know why. I mean, obviously, I didn't have much of a voice back then like I do now. Exactly. But I, you know, but like looking back on it now, it's like, why was I called out when a girl whose shorts were shorter than mine was not? Like, at all. At all. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just, well, it's the same. You don't think about those things. You don't think about those things then. I'm Do you remember, I don't think I ever, I'm not going to say I've never, ever saw racism before high school, mm-hmm. but this one moment sticks out to me. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I had that teacher, Miss Unknown, and I feel bad to say her name and call her out, but she taught, like, the computer class. Unknown, oh, why do you remember? But continue. Um, so we had an assembly and, um, we were all in it and Aaron Gant was in my class Angelica was in my class, Karen, Sam, mm. like but Kelly Dolan, all these yeah, people yeah. and we were all sitting in one row. 
Okay. We got into the assembly and I was not talking. Someone in that row was talking. Oh, I think I remember. And the teacher tapped me and she was like, Jasmine, stop talking. You need to move your seat. You're talking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I was like, I, I wasn't talking. Mm-hmm. She's like, I saw you. I just saw you. You were talking. And I was like, and I wasn't going to rat anybody out, but I was like, yeah. I literally wasn't talking. I was like, why do I have to move? Literally sitting next to me. I don't remember who it was, but yeah. whoever it was, they were like, no, Miss Arnett, like it was me talking. And I was like, okay, so it was her. And she's like, well, Jasmine, you move your seat. It's like, why I got to move my seat? So that's what I said. I was like, why do I have to move my or doing some type of, you know? So because the assembly is going on now, she's getting embarrassed. And yeah. she was like, Jasmine, please move your seat or I'm going to have to ask security to take you to the principal's office. So I got up. I said, well, I don't need security to take me anywhere. I said, I know how to get to the principal's office. Mm-hmm. I said, but I wasn't talking. I was like, and actually, Miss Arno, you're actually, I feel like you're being racist right now. That's literally what I said. And God, I walked, to say the R word. I God walked myself <laughs> to the principal's office and, you know, I always got in trouble. So they knew me in there. And they were like, Jessica, what are you doing here? And I was like, Miss Arno sent me here and told me to sit here until the bell rings. So they were like, okay, you can sit here. Because none of the, like, all the vice principals were in the assembly. Yeah. So the next day I get called into the office and I've gotten suspended because I called my teacher a racist and that I hurt her feelings. You got suspended? Well, they thought they did. I called my mother. Of course. And I said, they're suspending me for this. This My mom said, you're not suspended. And I went. Oh, and also I was told, no one sees color here. No one even considers you black. Then what do you consider? Huh? Who said that? Actually, don't put them on blast. What? Miss Baumgartner. I'll Ooh. put her on blast. I don't care. My, our, right, our vice principal said that for me. Repeat that for me. Repeat she that. She said, no one considers you black. So what do you consider me? Exactly. What? So I called my mother. We walked. This happened on a Friday. So we walked into school on Monday. And my mom was like, my daughter is not suspended. She is going to class. And I want to sit down with you and this teacher and my daughter. So we had the talk. And I told my story. And the teacher was like, I never touched her. So I was like, you, I was like, no one's saying you yoked me up or you grabbed yeah. me. He tapped me. But, you yeah. know, teachers aren't supposed to touch you. Exactly. I didn't touch her. I was like, well, it was an assembly. You were being quiet. You, you tapped me. Yeah. So she was like, I didn't. I was like, okay, whatever. So my mom was like, hold it. She was like, Jasmine, did she touch you or didn't she? And I was like, she touched me. Mom was like, okay. So then I ended up not being suspended. But at the end of it, my mom was like, and which one of you told my daughter that she, no one considers her black because she is black. And I've brought her up to be proud of who she is. What, no, my mom literally said, what idiot told my daughter <laughs> that they don't consider her black? But that's the thing. It's like when, for a white person to tell you that they don't consider you black. Yeah. Then what, and that's the issue. That's how we are here today. Like, that's your excuse. You're trying to say that you're not racist because you don't consider me black. But then yeah. what am I? Exactly. Like, stop with the no one sees color. We all see color. Yeah, we all see color. We, and there's no problem with seeing there's color. There's no problem with seeing there's color. There, and not, I think they get that. They it's not know. black and white here. Like, it's, it's not. not. Everyone is different shades. At all. all different. It's, you want to pretend like America's a melting pot. But. 
but it, but come on, like I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, if we really want to break it down, women's rights and civil rights, how far have we really come? How far have we come? Women still don't make the right amount of money. Nope. We, women still get raped and no one believes them. The list goes on. And then besides black people not picking cotton and us going to the same schools. Yeah. For kind of, because let's not act like people aren't segregated. Yeah. Then what what has really changed? From our great grandparents and our great great grandparents, we're dealing with the exact same things they have. Mm -hmm. So to be in 2020 and this happening, it's I don't know, but that brings me to, I found the article. So it's one of, <laughs> it's called a timeline events that led to the 2020 fed up rising. It starts off August of 1619. August of, 16, it starts off August of mm-hmm. 1619. One, six, one, one, six, one, nine. Okay. We are in 20. We are in 2020. Okay, 2020. So yes, we are fed up because we change, but we're still being treated as inhumane. We're We're not equal. We're not. There's that. Constitution literally says the word equal, but we've never been there. No, we're not. All men are not treated equal. No. At all. Okay, my next question is, are are your non-black friends speaking out? Oh. <laughs> are my non-black friends speaking Sorry, I'm charging my computer. Oh my God. <laughs> Worst guest ever. Are my non-black friends speaking up? Okay, so when you say speaking up, do you mean in terms, are they texting me, asking me how I'm doing? Are they- I just mean overall. Are they acknowledging that it's happening? Are they being silent? Are they reaching out? It could be any of anything along those lines. Anything along those lines. The white friends that I have that I consider close to me, yes, I've seen them posting numerous times, okay. um, which is great. It's not all, but I, I, I still, it's a step. It, it is a step. It is a step because it shows me that you are aware of what's going aware. on. I want to know that you're acknowledging want, it. Yeah, you're acknowledging it. That's a a big thing like let's not let's not sleep on the fact that they are acknowledging it that some of them are acknowledging it. yes you can't you know but um i don't know if you saw my did you see my post which one um it was like my last post mariel oh yes 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 i did see that that's above and beyond yeah one above and beyond that's like mm-hmm. not crazy but i think from i feel for me like i talked to ariel and like she was basically saying, you know, like, we don't have to say thank you. And I was like, you know, we don't, but I think we do. I have, I have said, I appreciate it. Uh, that's because I, we're not used to ever getting it. Exactly. So to get it means it so does. much. It does. It, it does. means a lot. I don't think there's anything wrong with showing. And we didn't have to say thank you for doing the no- something nope. that you should be doing. Yeah. But there's something about it that feels like it's, not, it's never done. Yeah. Like, you know who else is great? Um, Taylor. Ariel's friend Taylor. Yes. He's amazing. 
like I love her posts. Um, and it's good to it feels good to see it's it's good. Good to the high school with because it's oh, girl, it's don't very one or the other. There's no in between. Because some of them actually disgust me. Like you'll praise Michael Jordan's documentary. You'll post all this, but when this is happening, you're completely silent. Well, again, you that, like, that you, to me is a problem. You love our culture, but you but, don't love us. Yeah, that that to me that gets me. Yeah, that gets me. But how do you feel about? Look at me asking you a question. You can ask me questions. No, you can totally ask me questions. You, do you feel some type of way when? your white friends are silent on Instagram if they're not posting anything on Instagram? It's actually very funny and I can't wait to listen to the episode because um, that's what I talked about in my intro. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel disappointed, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I have, I consider myself to have more white friends than black friends, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And for me, it's just hurtful. Yeah. It's, I'm not even angry. I'm more hurt. Yeah. And my thing is, I get everybody's not a poster. I get that. Oh, that's everyone where I'm is, coming from. Everyone is not, not a poster, social media 24-7. Mm-hmm. I get that. <clears throat> but I feel like at this age, we are 26 years old. And let's say you, maybe you don't post, but you're looking. Let me make also make that clear. Just because you don't post a lot doesn't mean that you don't, you're not on social media. Yeah, that is very true. And that's fine. If you're not someone who posts, yeah. I know you see. So if you don't feel comfortable posting, reach out to me. That's the thing. Reach out to me. And, and now that you get up my stuff. Because yeah. I know you say it. I don't need you to be an activist. Yeah. I don't need you to be on the front lines. I would love yeah. that. That would be a plus. Yeah. But what I do need is for you to acknowledge that I am your, mm-hmm. what you're showing me is like, you know, when we want to say like, oh no, this is my friend. I'm your black friend and yeah. that, I am your black friend and that's what I am. And that's what you're showing me in this. And I'm not the same to you as your other friends. Yeah. And I would like to know that if something were to happen to me, and again, I talked about this in my intro, it only makes me think really deep and hard. And I think that's when I start to get emotional. If this was me, would you do, would you post it? Yeah. Would you? That's what it really comes down to. And that's what's hurtful because and the fact that I have to question that yeah. is the issue. It's a huge issue. So that's where I get not only would you post it, but would you do something about it? Like, exactly. Would you actively do something about it? And like, I don't want to be petty, but then it makes me think like, you're not saying anything. So I can only figure out what you're thinking. It leads and me, to assume things. It my mind only goes yeah. in depth. And then I'm like, would you be like, oh, well, you know, Jasmine's pretty sassy. Like yeah, I mean, she was, she was, she probably said the wrong thing. Like she probably was talking back to him or if it happened to Robbie, would you be like, well, you know, he works out, he's pretty big, he's aggressive, like, the fact that feel uncomfortable. That. But the fact that my mind even has to go there because, just because of your silence, yeah, that's what's upsetting. That's true, yeah, it is. 
So if you think being silent means more, it, it means more, but not in a good way. Not at all. At, not at all. Oh, I don't need you to know every right thing to say. I don't need you to give me a black power fist. I don't need that. What I need to know is that you acknowledge that I am a black woman and that there are things that I go through that you don't understand, but you support me. Exactly. The support. I think that's the biggest issue here is the support. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, listen, we, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of people post more than usual. I will say that. And I'm not going to take that away. And I'm glad to see it. Yeah. But the, I see the same amount of silence. Mm-hmm. At this point, have an, have an opinion. Like, that's how I feel about, like, when people are racist and no one says anything. Like, to me, you're no better than a racist. At least a racist stands for something. Yeah. Have some. At least they believe. At least they believe something. If you, stand, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. Oh. So, w- what are you showing me? If where, you're not even standing, you I don't want you to be a racist. But at least I know you believe something. Yeah. Like, where do you fall on this spectrum? Like, who? who There's no you? in the middle. There's there, one or the other. Yeah, you can't be. And if it's the other, then show me that. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry, I cried. I literally said to you last. Uh, I know. He said to me, I think I'm going to make you cry. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, well. So with that being said, I guess, like, how do you, you know, you went to a protest and you're doing and you're posting. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is more that you could do? I mean, I think we could all do more. But what else do you think that you could be doing besides the posting, besides going out and protesting? Um, so I actually took part today in a workout that was raising money to give to, to bail people out of like the New York city and Atlanta area. And I just thought that was an amazing idea. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not holding any workout session because I am in no way, shape or form in shape to do that. But (laughs) like live going on Instagram, people were donating. It was Great. I feel, I saw this post. Sorry, taking my phone out again because I want want to read it. Oh, I hope I saved it. But what I'm going to do is I think all, what I can do is is donate. So this is a post. It says, find your form of activism. I was discussing the murder of George Floyd and the protests taking place in our country right now with one of my closest friends. And she said something to me that I've been thinking about all morning. As a Black business owner, running and growing her business is her form of activism. It allows her to continue to bring jobs, wealth, and resources directly into the Black community. It's what keeps her focused now more than ever. I encourage you all to find your form of activism and act. If you're a writer, go write. If you're a singer, go sing. If you're a photographer, go capture what resonates most to you in this moment. If you're a protester, go join our people in the streets and protest. And I thought that was very important. Find your form of activism. Yeah. I think this, what you're doing, this is your form of activism, and it's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm not really a creative, per se. <laughs> I'm not. But I support all my friends that are, and I think it's beautiful. I'm all here for poor donations. Yeah all here for for donations so i'm donating my money wherever i can donate it i i have the means to so why not why not no exactly it's like and that's how i felt about doing this podcast it was like Mm -hmm. i have a platform exactly 
to speak. And at first I was like, yeah, I just won't do it. At first, my first thought, just because whatever, me, 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 that's what we all think about mm-hmm. first. And I was like, I'm not in the mood to do it. Like I was, I didn't even watch Housewives this week. That's how you know. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't even feel like doing a podcast this week. It doesn't feel right. I don't even want to Google things that have been going on in pop yeah. culture. Like I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. And then, so I was like, oh, I just want to do a podcast. And then I was like, no, that's not right either and that doesn't make me any better than the people that are being silent i have a platform and i should use it that's great like you're finding your form of activism and i think it's important for everybody to tap into their own form well i think that's another thing we all think because i've always thought you know activism is going out in the streets and going out in the streets and being a martin luther king or being a malcolm x and like that's not for everybody like i i can honestly say i've never gone out to protest and i don't know if if that's my thing i don't i don't it might not be your thing it might not be like i don't know if that's my thing i've never done it before i would i've always liked to do it but i can be honest that i get scared and i get nervous but you can reach out to other people in other ways there's different outlets that's the thing and i think we all have to realize like we are we can all be an activist. It's uh-huh. acting, an activist isn't what we've always thought it meant. It's not old school, like sin, doing a sit-in or a march. Those are still, that's still activism, but there are different avenues now that we all have to realize. You having a social media platform, whether you have five followers or 10 or a million, use it. Use it, yeah. People's photography, like, those pictures those videos like they hit home they tell stories the one of them just being silent and then saying his name i cried at that more than i've like seen any other picture anything and that was just silence that wasn't even anything like they were i mean yes they were doing something but there was no one talking there was no one yelling or it was just silence and it meant so much yeah so i just wish everyone would do their best. And if you're not educated and you're confused, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I realize we've all grown up different and we can't help, you know, the things that have been instilled in us. But you know, I was also thinking, I feel like the generation after us, they're, yeah, the generation after us. Oh God, bless her heart. Please edit edit that out. Not even, no, I feel like the young people now, I'm talking about people that are like 16 and younger. Like yesterday at the protest, there was a girl, she was seven years old. She got up and spoke. And I'm just like, they're able to see these things and they're able to do something about it. You know, I don't know, like growing up, I don't feel like our history class taught anything anything about us. Yeah. Our history. It was a brief segment, real brief. Real brief. No, you don't learn anything in in history about- Um, Americans besides slavery and so much is changing now and it's our culture is being represented a lot more but it also needs to be respected and we need to do our research we as black people need to do our research too we need to know our history we do no we really do and we we have to work we can't and that's why I did this because I was like I can't sit here and like be subtweeting, calling out people for being silent, and I have a whole platform, and I'm just gonna be like, okay, I won't do a podcast this week. Yeah. That doesn't make me any better. So as black people, we also have to show up. Yeah. Don't just yell at other people, non-black people, and tell them what are you doing. No, exactly. We have to still we, do our part. We have to. Yes. Do it. It starts at home. It's to have the help of others. Yes, exactly. It starts at home, and yeah. we can't expect them to support us if we don't even support us. Exactly. Exactly. 
that's I think that's the biggest thing like yes you're going out there and you're protesting but we what what action are you really taking to get these this ball rolling yeah you know the guy yesterday I, I forgot his name but he was such a great speaker in Newark and he gave out the number I think it was like the Supreme Court for people to call and voice their opinions yeah he was like write this number down call them and voice your opinion you know yeah we have to get the ball rolling we have to the way i'm feeling about it is like i think our parents generation kind of i guess to say set the stage yeah i think we're gonna kind of start getting the ball rolling but i don't think things are gonna change and i i wish i hope that i'm wrong i hope that i'm wrong i think I think we're about to have a revolution. Mm-hmm. I think our generation is going to be the new like civil rights movement. Yeah. Yeah. For and sure. then I think the next generation will benefit from that. And mm-hmm. I could only hope that. I could listen. I hope so too. I really do. I really do. And if I don't get to see it, that's fine. I just want it to I would love to see it, but I want it, I just want it to get done. Yeah. Point blank period. I just want it to get done. I just want to get done. That's it. So, are you eating grapes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate her. She is literally the worst guest. No, you are really. <laughs> well, Aria, thank you so much. Is there anything thank like you for having me? Oh, Honestly, of course. This is great. Is there anything else you so wanted to say? Huh? Is there anything else you wanted to say? Oh no, you got it all out. I think I got it all out, and I'm not gonna lie, Jasmine. I get so nervous, like, speaking and whatnot, and I was like, do I really want to do this? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I was really contemplating it, but I'm so glad I did. I'm very happy you did that. Everybody else's opinions. But yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Hello, Casey. Hi, Jasmine. How are you? I'm good. Can't complain. I know. All right. Um... This is your first time on my podcast. This is exciting. Um, So Casey and I went to college together. And just something light for everyone to know. Casey called me a non-motherfucking factor one night when we went out. I just want to start it light. No, no. If you're going to start it, at least he was fucked up when he said this. He was very drunk. But I just always like reminding him that he told me that. And now he loves me. And he does not think that. Never. He, call, he also called me an Evelyn Lozada wannabe. <laughs> what a mess. Oh, that night will go down in I can't wait to tell my kids about it. Left your ass in the rain. Oh, no I was coming. I'll never forgive you. Uh, I'll never let you forget it. That's the thing. I will never let you forget it. I don't think I could ever forget it. No, it was amazing, though. Okay. Um, first, I also want to say thank you for doing this. Um, I truly appreciate it. I feel like I keep saying that in all the emails I'm sending to everybody. And every time I see them, I'm just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I mean, this is a crazy time and it's uncomfortable. So I, I appreciate everyone kind of stepping out of their comfort zone right. to do this. Um, so I'm going to ask you what I've literally asked everybody, which is like, I, I know the answer I'm going to get, but I want other people to hear. Um, what did you feel when you first saw the video of George Floyd? It's hard to, everyone's been like, it's hard to explain. 
it, it was such a like a visceral and a gut reaction mm-hmm. that I don't think it's summed up in one emotion. I was no. sad, but I was angry. I was heartbroken, but I wasn't shocked. Shocked. Yeah. Um, it's crazy because I think I watched I watched the full nine minute video. I did. I couldn't. I, I I just did, and as I went on, I got angrier and angrier. Not even at what was going on, but the complicity of everyone in the area. There's three other cops. How do you not? I there's so. Listen, I I don't know. I, I can't sum it up in one emotion. I, it just felt like wrong. It just felt wrong. It it felt wrong. It felt like you were watching something you shouldn't be watching. You were watching something that you should never have to see in this lifetime or the next. Yeah. No, so, I agree. Um, really I, terrible. I've said this to everybody, and this is the one thing I hate that I'm doing one-on-ones because I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I just want your opinion on this also. I've said to everyone, for some reason, and this doesn't take away from anything that's happened in the past or any other death, this one just feels different. Something is different about it, and and I think that shows in everybody's reaction. I think a lot of things are different about it. I don't think it's just something is different about it. I think when you, you take the underlying tension and anxiety of the country as a whole, outside of race religions. We're going through a pandemic, 100,000 people are going to die, or have died, more are going to die, and fewer had to die if this administration would have done something. So again, you already have this frustration of we're in quarantine, we're going stir, stir crazy. Um, and this is the last thing you expect to happen in the midst of an already existing national emergency or tragedy. Yeah. So it kind of was just, it was just kerosene on top of a huge fire already. Agreed. Um, I also just remembered, I forgot to ask you <laughs> to say your name, age, uh, profession, and race. Casey Wolin, 27. I'm 27. 27. Yeah, you're tw- okay. You just turned 27. Yeah. Always fuck that one up. Um, <laughs> I'm white, and I am the marketing director at Major Food Group, so uh, I work in the hospitality industry. Um, so yeah, we can continue. Sorry, I was supposed to ask you that yeah. first, but we just, of right. course, me and you just go right into it. <laughs> Always. How's that? How's Robbie? How's the yeah. And then, um, how did you feel about this? Like, we just go. Yeah. Um, okay. I, um, so my other question for you is, as a white man, even though I, again, I know these answers because I know you, but this is for listeners. As a white man, are you aware of your privilege? 100%. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to Modesty, our friend the other day. Uh, and it, it, it felt weird because a part of me, without sounding patronizing or without sounding like I'm waving my privilege, was like, are you okay? And I was even nervous to say that because it's like, I don't want you to think I'm fine, don't worry about me, but are you okay in the most kind of patronizing manner? Yeah. Um, I'm completely aware of it. I've never been pulled over and felt scared. I've never had a conversation with a cop where I feel like my life is on the line. Mm-hmm. I've watched other people get arrested and felt like if I said something, I will not take a bullet, I will not take a taser, I will not put the handcuffs around my wrist. Um, I'm 100% aware of my privilege. Um, so you brought something up. It's not a question I have, but um, I was talking about this with one of my other guests. And um, that text, did you feel like you had to send it? What did you, because I know this is like, as you said, like, how do you, you don't even know what to say. So like, when you're going to text someone of color, like, what is your thought process in this situation, I guess? So I think that this will probably be the most tone deaf thing I say. I think that when it comes to you and Modestine and Colin, when it comes to people that I consider to be family to an extent who know everything about me, who Mm -hmm. have seen me through hard times, who I've seen through hard times, um, I don't view it through the lens of color so much as I view it of the lens of compassion. 
So when I text Madison, it's always like in a brotherly or almost like a motherly way where it's, are you good? Are you okay? How's Sierra? How's everyone? What are you doing? How far away are you from DC, from the riots? It's not so much um, text. Listen, there's definitely a level of uh, what can I say that's right and what can I say that's wrong? Yeah. Even when, I, even when I told you I'll do this, it was, I don't want to sound tone deaf because I'm not tone deaf. No. But it's definitely a fine edge to walk um, without sounding that amongst an audience that doesn't know you. So there's that, but there's also the fact that, again, I just want to make sure you're okay. And yeah. I, if, listen, I'd rather take the risk of sounding patronizing to make sure you understand that I'm looking out for you and I want you to be okay. And if there's anything I need, my brother Skylar lives in DC. Do you need him to come? Do you need any, if there's anything you need, I'm here. My family's here. You've stayed with my family. We are here. Yeah. So I think right now it's my job to be there to support and to listen more than anything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing. It's, it's easy. It's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but like right now in this situation, it, 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 for me, I'll just speak from my own point, not for anyone else. It's easy to differentiate someone like you and someone else who is being silent. Right. There's a there's a difference. Right. And I don't know how to explain it because it's hard to explain. Well, I, but like you said, I know you. Right. But that's the thing. It's always like, well, I know them so I can vouch for them. And to me, it's a little different. Like, I, I wrote, I'll read this later, obviously, but I wrote something wherein I had an experience where I, I commented on someone's post and the person shot back at me and said, uh, I'm shocked you have not said or posted anything. I find that disrespectful and I find your silence complicit. And I said, well, you're, you're on no basis to tell me anything because you didn't vote. You're from a swing state and you didn't rise to the occasion when your civil duty called for it. And he said, well, well what does that have to do with anything? I said, yes, every, it actually has a lot to do. Well, I said, when you put local activists in your bio, the word active is the root of the word activism. You sitting behind a screen and being passive and cavalier and flashing your privilege by reposting everything that everyone posts, what have you done? What are you educating yourself on? Why are you not on the front lines doing something? When you say, I've recorded so many videos. No, you've cultivated content from social media. You have not been there talking to a police officer. You have not been on the front line. You have not seen what it's like out there. So don't sit on your high horse and tell me I'm complicit. I'm racist. I'm this or I'm that because I won't post the standard content everyone else is posting. Yeah. How I choose to deal with this is completely different. When I take this and then I read up on the Hate Act, the Violence Against Women Act, and I try to piece together legislation from that perspective, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to look at ways in which Congress has historically uh, supported and elevated marginalized communities previously, how we can do that going forward, and what is the basis of law on that. But don't tell me when you haven't voted, when you refuse to be active, that I am using my privilege negatively. No, and I, I know you know that, but I think it's just right now, tensions are so high that it's like, if you don't repost this, they're racist. Or if you don't, like, and again, that's not coming from any color or creed, it's just, this crazy sentiment that, te that seems to be a little illogical. Like when you tell me, oh, I'm posting this, and then your next post is sponsored by Hemp or Fashion Nova, I don't give a fuck what you have to say three seconds earlier. You're too busy yeah. monetizing your platform. You don't give a fuck about anyone out there fighting. Yeah. Well, so. it's, it's fun. It's a good thing you brought that up because earlier, and in my intro, I talk about being silent. And I talked about it with two other guests before you, and we were talking about being silent and kind of going deeper into it from our standpoint, because again, I can't speak for everybody else, but we were saying like, you know, the difference with your friends when they're silent is, again, you know your friends. Right. If I know you're a poster, which you are not, you're not a poster, you know what I mean? But if you're a poster all the right. time, 
you not posting speaks volumes to me. And then we also said, right. okay, but also if you're not posting, but then what are you doing? And I think you made a good point of saying, no, I'm not posting, but this is what I'm doing. And I think there's a difference and people need to realize like, you know, if you're going to be silent and you don't want to post on social media, that's fine. That's not everybody's duty to do it, but you got to be doing something. Right. And I think the issue is, I think when people are talking about silence on social media, I think because that's the only thing we can see. And, right. and I think it's easy to judge someone and be like, oh, they didn't post, they didn't post, right. which I know I've done it. I've done it looking, been like, why haven't you posted? Again, I've never thought that of you because again, I know you. So it's right. different. And I was just talking about it um, with another guest and I was saying what's hurtful is again, like people that post all the time. So I know you see this. I know that you're aware why aren't you acknowledging it? Because you post everything else. Right. So where are you now? It's, it's so crazy what you or just said. Or if you don't want to post, like you said, you reached out to Modesty. There, there's so many avenues. Educate yourself. Social. Read up on how we can change this for the future. Like, yeah. if you're going if you're to stay silent, again, do something. Do anything. Make a donation. Do something. But, but what you just said is so accurate in the sense of, because you, and this is also a pitfall of just the media landscape at large, which is yeah. if you can't see something, you can't process it. When we say 100,000 people have died of the coronavirus, I, it's not comparable to the visualization of two planes flying into the World Trade Center. You remember people jumping out of the building. You remember the towers coming down. You remember what it felt like. When yeah. you see something that's so subdued as whether it's a disease or racism, which I think is a learned disease in my opinion, um, I think people say, well, I, I cannot see your activism, therefore you are not active. You are not, you are not posting something that I cannot see. It's not palpable. So you, your silence is complicit. And to me, it's like, again, there are people who post everything. They post pictures of their insides if they want to. They're too busy on OnlyFans. I don't give a damn. You can post some shit. But me, for me, it's yeah. not, A, I don't post everything, and B, I'd rather read up on these laws and put together constructive ways that we can move forward and that we can kind of protect those who are disenfranchised. Because let's think about it. This feels different, sure. Rodney King felt different, sure. But what happens next? What law is going to place? We, now, we say, here's the key to the city, Mrs. King. Here's National Rodney King Day, Mrs. King. We're not gonna give you any legislation that protects your son, your grandson, your great-grandson from being protected by the law. So what the fuck do we do? We process, we grieve, we move on. And then but, when comes, but when it comes to a white woman being hit, Oh, let's let's draft the Violence Against Women Act. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to hate crime here or there that's so high profile, we'll do it so that there's a minimum sentence for those involved, but it's null if it's a police officer because it falls within the scope of his work and the shield which he's protected by. Yeah. So again, you, you people can pose, people can do this. What are you doing next? That's my question. Feel what's happening right now. Be upset. Be angry. Be. I don't, I'm, I, I can't stand people who are like, they shouldn't loot, they shouldn't write. They should do whatever the fuck they want to do. You, you're not going to sit there and tell me how I should feel or how you should feel. Yeah. They should do whatever they want to do because whatever they're going to do, they're going to be criticized. You can't take a name, you can't loot a store. So where's the happy medium? Yeah. Well, it's like they've been saying like peaceful protest. It was like Colin Kaepernick was a peaceful protest. And peaceful he, protest and he was, he was, lost his job, lost his livelihood. Come on. Come on. Like you don't want, it, it's, you're not, you're never happy. Never. There's, there's nothing you're going to do right, so you should be true to yourself and do what you feel. In this situation, I, I think you should do what you feel. Yeah. I, I just think what is happening is so 
despicable and deplorable, and I think the administration fans the flames of hatred in this country, that it's not going to change. And if no. it takes pulling down cities to change and it still doesn't change, it goes to show you that uh, this country is fucked. That, that's, that's the most brutal way of putting it. But if we can't make, if we haven't made a change yet, again, I, I just, I don't understand the, the either apathy or incompetency of state and federal leaders that they can't put something together for these situations. It's yeah. not like they don't have a foundation. You have hundreds of dead black men who have been killed by police brutality. You, you can't find a way? I've been reading for two days and I found a way. You can't find a way? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to find a way. That's it. They don't want to find a way. You don't want to. It doesn't benefit you. Why would you? I've said this on this podcast like earlier, but it's like when we really dig deep and, and you don't, we don't really have to dig deep, but for the people that can't, that think we've come so far, when you look at women's rights, civil rights, how far have we really come? Yeah. Like, come on, let's be, you know, let's be real. When we look when we if we sat and really broke it down line by line besides the fact that i don't have to pick cotton anymore it's 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 that but it's also the fact that the country and the leaders of this country see through see uh they see most components of this country as binary Mm -hmm. we're either great or we're terrible we're good or we're bad we're black or we're white we're this or that so i read something yesterday where it's like uh America is still incredible because we continue to innovate and send people to the moon and the space station. That is a true statement. Yeah. What is also true is here on the ground, you have innocent black men dying. So yeah. you are not a great country. You have great components and you have terrible components. Yes. So you cannot tote your status. You cannot tote your accolades and accomplishments. Both can be true. We can send people to the space station and we can still have cities burning in around the corner from us. Yeah. But acknowledge it. Understand that. And you can be at the same time. Right. That's the thing. Um, Okay, my last question, which I know the answer to, but again, for everybody else. Do you consider yourself an ally? And if you do, which I know you do, because you are, um, what is it that you could do with your privilege to talk to, I guess, other white people? Um, well, yes, I consider myself an ally. Uh, I've always considered myself an ally. Um, I always will consider myself an ally. And I consider you an ally. Thanks, sis. Uh, so I think that I'm going to, I'm going to read what I wrote because I think that I think, you know, and that's why that was my last question to bring it all together. I wrote, so I wrote this long thing because I'm, for those who don't know me, I tend to be unapologetic and unfiltered and Hmm. I say some shit that happens to be true, but in a really aggressive manner. Um, and I was thinking about this and I sent Jasmine a long thing because I didn't know how to properly communicate unless I put pen to paper. Because otherwise I would just be cursing and ranting and raving. And that's not what I want to do. Uh, yeah. And I think that this goes to a bunch of things, but specifically, I think it, at the center of this, I think you need to have really uncomfortable conversations. That's I think totally- you're uncomfortable by sending a text to a black friend in the middle of a racial crisis, you send the text. You don't say, well, I don't want to still be uncomfortable. You have to be bold enough to be uncomfortable or shit's not going to change. All these white people in Congress are too afraid to sit down with people and talk and see, okay, what, what do I represent? Who's in my community? I mean, look at Congress. It's not representative of the landscape of the, the, the people who live in their country. Stop it. So for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one part of what I wrote because I think it's important um, 
to sit down and have conversations with people who see things through a different lens and to not be afraid to allow that behavior and that negative, ignorant rhetoric to perpetuate further. So here's what I said. I said, when your 50-year-old dad makes a racist remark while watching the news at dinner and you shrug it off like that's just who he is and that's just what he says, he doesn't mean or feel that strongly, don't be surprised when 30 years later you stroll past the hallway mirror at some point and see his reflection staring back at you. When you're at the dinner table with your family uttering similar remarks because you've suppressed your voice and your thoughts and excuse such, such discriminatory behavior that it regurgitates and manifests in your own life further down the road, don't be surprised. Remember that you didn't show up and speak out when the occasion came upon you. Remember that you didn't break the cycle because you refused to be active and do what's right. You're too lazy to have an intelligent conversation combating such vitriol and providing insight and accurate information within a dialogue that can change someone else's perception. But you can retweet, you can repost, you can stay home, you can watch the world burn through a 70-inch plasma screen for normalized injustice uh, that originate from a place where those remarks once started around the dinner table. Um, I think what it comes down to is, listen, I grew up in a bubble. Everyone thinks alike, everyone votes alike. I once dated a girl and she said, well, I'm voting for so-and-so because my father's voting for so-and-so, my grandfather's voting for so-and-so. And I said, but why do you believe in this candidate? She said, because my father believes in so-and-so. And I said, no, 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 no. What yeah. do you know about his policy? Who is he going to protect? What is his agenda? Uh, it's the party which, which they vote. And that's, but that's an example of how group think and you live in the echo chamber. It just, it, it's all cyclical. So yeah. from there, it's okay, well, my father said that. So if I find myself using this word later on, eh, I don't mean it because he didn't mean it. But when you get outside of your bubble, you mean it. When you get so angry to the point, listen, when you see someone's character jump out of them and they're quick to throw around the N-word, when they say, oh, I'm not, and they're so quick, like that woman in Central Park. Yeah. First thing she went to was his race. The first thing, not a man, but a black man. The word black preceded the word man. A black man is threatening my life. No, ma'am, he was not threatening your life, but it's interesting that the word black was the first word to jump out of your mouth. So again, when you kind of regurgitate the same shit and then 30 years later wonder how you ended up just like your father, just like your grandfather. That's why, because you're not, you're, you're scared. You're scared to say, you know what, I don't feel like that. And why are you using that word? What makes you think you can use that word? I'm, I'm the, listen, I'm, I'm confrontational as fuck. That's not a secret. So I have no problem sitting down with you and I'm not going to judge you, but I want to know why you feel so comfortable toting your privilege and using such verbiage that is discriminatory. Yeah. Why, why, why is that okay? So to me, I think it starts at home and it starts with having conversations that are intelligent, that aren't attacking one another, but sitting down and saying, here's where we differentiate and where do we see common ground? I, I think it starts with really uncomfortable situations. The only silver lining of hope I've had in the middle of this is seeing the cops who have come out and talked to people on the front lines. The yeah. Atlanta police, uh, the Atlanta chief of police who came out and went one by one and said, what, what are you concerned about? How can I help? That's what's going to make a change. But they need to then take those sentiments and they need to pass them further up the hierarchy. And those sentiments need to be reflected in statewide and federal legislation that protects people. Yeah. So it starts with a conversation that I don't think people are willing to have. Again, when that person said, you're racist, you didn't post something, the question you should have asked is, why did you not post something? And then I can answer you. Don't jump out of your skin and make assumptions about someone. You making assumptions about someone is the reason why Trayvon Martin was killed. You thought he was wearing a hoodie. You thought he had a gun on him. You made an assumption. Now a dead man's on your hands. 
but you don't care because he's black. But if he was white, you would care. Yeah. So your assumptions have left blood spilled in the street. Your assumptions have been the basis for why there's no legislation protecting people. Yeah. Don't make assumptions. Just have an intelligent conversation and try and see through their lens. And again, there's going to be people who are completely wrong in your mind. There's going to be people who are like, okay, that's clearly a fucking racist. It's going to happen. Yeah. But I don't think you can beat them until you understand where they're coming from and where that behavior is learned from. Yeah. And then how to kind of disinf- just dissolve that group thing uh, in other ways. But I think it starts with having a conversation. I think as an ally, it starts with having a conversation and understanding the sentiments uh, of your friends, your family, those being hurt, those who are most affected by situations like this. Yeah. And then taking that conversation and having it with people who see inversely and then saying, okay, how do we bring these people together? How do we do, what do we, what can we do? Yeah. Well, I was, I keep referencing this book, but it's the last book I read by, um, I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle and she had a whole chapter on racist. And she, she's a white woman. So she was directly speaking to white women, but I think it is for all white people or non-black people. And she was like, the issue with racism is you don't want to be called out. She goes, and you could be a white woman or a white person who is trying to change, but as soon as someone corrects you, you're defensive. And I was trying, I'm trying, well, at least I'm trying. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'm glad you're trying, but here, I'm trying to help you get better. Right. But you can't get defensive. And I wish I knew the line, but basically she was like, white women have to know that you are going to be wrong in this because we've all grown up. Basically you've grown up and like you said, racism is a disease and that's something that you have inside. She was like, I have it. She was like, and I think I'm pretty woke. She was like, but there are times I say things and I have black friends are like, no, that's not it. That's, that's actually not it at all. She was like, and I don't get upset. I say, okay, well tell me what it is. So I don't make this mistake again. And I think that's, the big thing that no one wants to look inward. You just want to be like, well, at least I'm trying. Right. Or they want to, or they want to do a what about ism. They want to say, well, at least I'm not that person. I, I don't. Not a racist. I didn't, right. shoot, I didn't shoot him. What about Hirsch? He's the one who did the killing. Like it's always the flat. To me, I think there's two things that are so telling. The first person to say, I am not a racist is the most racist person in the room. Yeah. Understand that. If you ever have to defend yourself, if someone cannot understand the measure of your heart to the extent where you need to say, in no uncertain terms, I am not a racist, you have made a mistake, you are either blatantly a racist or you have said some racially insensitive remarks. Then when you say, well, I, I, you should be glad, uh, you're not doing anyone a favor by bettering yourself. Yep. You're doing yourself a favor by being less ignorant. Mm-hmm. You are not, you're, it's like, it's, it's such bullshit. To me, if we're being really honest, it's almost like white women feel the need to get a thank you by correcting themselves. If yeah. you correct me, you should say thank you for correcting me. It's their mindset. You corrected me, but I'm going to make the change. And because I'm going to make that change, you are welcome. Because I'm white, you are welcome. As an African-American, you are welcome. Thank yeah. me. It's never, oh, I'm sorry. How can I grow from this? How can I learn from this? Listen, people make mistakes. There's nothing, yeah, that's the thing. No one feels as if they can make a mistake. And they don't want, and they don't want to be called out on their mistake. No. They claim they do. Like, oh, let me know if I'm wrong. But then I tell you you're wrong, and now you're defensive, and now you're, you're just done. You don't right. want anything else, and you want to keep living the way that you've been living and thinking. But that's what I just said. It's going to, and that, that way it's going to perpetuate into your children, into your grandchildren. It's not going to stop. It just, it's It's not, it starts at home. I remember I was, I went to Catholic school and 
it was just, it, there was not a lot of black people there. Um, and I don't know if Catholic school still lets people go to school if they're not Catholic, but I wasn't Catholic and I went there. Um, so it was me and my best friend, Brittany, we were both there and this little white girl came up to us. I don't even know what we were talking about, but I remember the statement perfectly. And she was like, all black people are poor and all white people are rich. So I'm like seven. So I go home to my mom and I was like, I was like, I almost say, I wish I knew her full name because I sure I would say it, but I remember it's her first name. Yeah. And she was, I was like, Jillian said that all black people are poor and white people are rich. I was like, are we poor? And my mom was like, no. And she was like, what idiot told her that? And my mom went to the school, her and my friend Brittany's mom, and my, they told the nuns, because we had nuns as principals, and she was like, she learned that at home. She's, she's seven years old. That's not that little girl's fault. That was something, and my mom literally said, that's something she heard at the dinner table. And that's where it starts. I remember, I, it's, it's so funny. I, there's this thing that happened, I remember, that for some, it just upsets me every time. And it's that, it's, it's very similar to that story. And I remember uh, shortly after 9-11, obviously, um, there's a family that lives up the block from me that I'm friends with. My brother's friends with the younger brother. We have been friends with them from years. Um, they're from the Middle East. Uh, they're some of my favorite people. Whenever I'm home, we always get together. They're riding their motorcycle. They asked me if I wanted to ride it. I said, my fat ass will break your motorcycle. Thank you, no ma'am. Um, I remember getting on the bus, I want to say it was a year or two after 9-11, and a new girl had moved in across the street from me. And, oh, and like in the first two weeks, she was going around introducing herself to people on the bus, and she met this guy, and he said his name. Um, at the time, it was a name that, amongst the most ignorant among us, would make you take a second look. Yeah. Um, and she immediately said, so where's your terrorist family? Where are your cousins that flew into the, the, the World Trade Center? And I was, I'm sitting next to my friend. And I just, I, I remember saying, are you, I, I, again, we were young. I, you don't, yeah. I just remember saying, are you, are you kidding me? I never, I never spoke another word to that girl. I asked my friend if he was okay. And he, I just, we were young and I remember saying, it's, it, he, he so movingly said it's not her fault. And I remember, how, how do you know it's, like I, I, I didn't understand how, I, I don't understand how you can make such a remark. Yeah. And then that person could be so forgiving. I couldn't find it in my heart to yeah. be so forgiving in general. And he just said, it's not her fault, it's okay. And I remember thinking like, man, if someone, if someone said anything of the sort, yeah. I, would lose, I would lose my mind. But he can't lose his mind. I know, that's the thing that bothers me. I can lose my mind, and I did lose my mind. Because you, you know me, I said something I right there and fucking Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. He had to call me, to, I was not okay. Yeah. I can't believe that you openly and willingly said that to someone in a, in a, in a group full of people. Yeah. What is your thing that, what, what, do you, what insight do you provide in doing that? And he said, it's okay, she doesn't know any better. He goes, she doesn't, she doesn't know the details. She doesn't know the name of anyone. She doesn't know anything. But it's, it's her parents' true. fault. It's her parents' fault. It's what she was taught or not taught and she just overheard. And for him, he was taught, someone will say this to you 
you cannot react because yeah. if you react, they feel like they are justified. Yeah. I think that's also why whenever we go out, like when we used to go out, I was always very, and Marcus himself was always very protective. I didn't want anyone near him at the time. I didn't want. Yeah. Anyone, I, you, I did you, it. You're amazing. No, you were. Uh, I said, if I said, if I leave early, take my credit card, come home, do not take, he, he always was so, if I'm going to take the subway. I'm like, do not take the subway. Like, I think I was, again, I didn't never want to come off condescending or like flaunting my privilege, but I have privilege. If I take the subway at night, I'm fine. If you take the subway at night, Modestine. You're not okay. Right. And I said, here's my car, take a taxi every night. If you go out on your own, here's my car, take a taxi, whatever. Um, even if he had no money, I didn't feel comfortable. I, I, I've been going to the city since I was 13 every weekend to be with my friends to get out of this stupid fucking bubble that is Long Island. Yeah. Every weekend since I was 13, I spent in the city learning, being accustomed with different cultures and everything. And it was like, if I stay here, I'm the same person who marries the racist neighbor and then dad's racist kids. And, like, I don't want to be that. Yeah. So I do that. And I just, I, I, again, with him, it's just, I, I, I view it almost like a mother or like a father. Like, I just want to be there for people where I can and when I can. If, if yeah. I, I'll sleep better. And again, maybe it's selfish. I sleep better knowing at night you are not on the subway, you're in a cab, you're in an Uber, or you're with me. If, if you need anything, I am here. If you need anything, Skylar is in DC. It's more of, again, my, it's like my family. I don't view it as this. I view it as you are my family. Are you okay? I'm here for you. I will be here for you until the end. That's it. Just be there for one another. Yeah. But, but for me, it's just, I, I, and I, I know because Modestine's been in a situation where it's like, I can't say anything. If I say something, I'm that person. And I said, no, I got you, but I, I, I have a temper. I can't, I can't. Yeah. That's why, again, it's, I just, I, if I go all out posting, I'm going to look irrational and rate, and I'd rather learn about it. I'd rather educate myself, and I'd rather provide insight, whereas, you know, let's amend the hate bill to include this, or let's extend police training academies to two years instead of six months. Let's have repercussions where there's a mandatory minimum sentencing for violations, and then you have to go re-back into training. Like, yeah. I don't understand we don't have these foundations in place. We have, we have a foundation for everything. That's everything. If a woman gets hit, he can't have a gun in his personal life. If a police officer does something, oh, put him on absentee leave. He still gets paid. He can yeah. hold on to private weapon collection. No. If, if you are a violator of the law, take away the badge, take away the shield. If you're a violator of the law, you're a violator of the law. Sir, show me what page in your handbook. It says to put the weight of your body on a man's neck for nine minutes until life has exited his body. If you can quote that paragraph, I'll succeed, but you let me know. I read a lot, bitch. I know there ain't no shit in that book. Kneel on a motherfucker's neck. Are you fucking crazy? If you have a baton, a gun, a taser, and cuffs, and you're the one who's scared, get the fuck out of the way. Let someone else stand and do the fucking job. Yeah. Enough. Enough of this hiding around race. It's bullshit. You are a coward. You are a murderer. You're not a cop. You're a murderer. You're a racist piece of shit who murdered a black man for no fucking reason. This man was not resisting. So, so what was it? Yeah. So if I'm waiting, I go to the townhouse and I point an AR-47 in someone's face. You're going to give me a slap on the wrist. I'm not going to jail that day. Yeah. But that man, what? 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 Yeah, he, he, he gave a wrong bill. He did this. Even if he did that. Oh, oh, what was the one guy? Was it Dylan? What was the one that shot? Is either the one that shot up the church or shot up the movie theater? And didn't they, they said that they took him to Burger King? Yeah, Dylan Roof, wasn't it? Yeah, Dylan Roof. He said he was hungry. And they took him to Burger King. It's, it's, it's. I just killed a bunch of people, but I'm hungry. Can I eat? Motherfucker hungry. 
Can I get a burger? I didn't eat before I killed all those people. Do you mind stopping to let me get like a burger? I didn't eat before I read Mein Kampf and I touted my Confederacy flag. Sorry. Sorry. Can, do you mind stopping through the drive-thru? Like that, that to the end. It's, it, and I don't mean to laugh, but it's like, I have to laugh to keep from crying because it's no. ridiculous. I want to ask you though, how did, when you watched it and when you, when this happens over and over and over, I know how I feel. As a white man, I know how I feel. I know that my first reaction is, this is deplorable, this is despicable, and it's a gut pain that I feel. Yeah. And my next move is, and this sounds literally the most white privileged thing, but who does my brother, I, my family know in Congress? Who do I know that can make change, that yeah. we can affect the change? That's, that's my go-to reaction, because the truth is, the truth is that I'm, I'm white. I'm not getting arrested. I'm not going to go. I, it's just the truth. That's just what it is. Yeah. So to me, it's what can I do to affect change that represents the voice of the people who I'm an ally to? Yeah. What, what makes you feel uncomfortable and how do you reflect that in the law? So to me, it's who do we know? Yeah. What can anyone I in this town is well connected. Who do we know that we can make a change for? That's my first reaction. My question is, what is your, when you see what is your first reaction and what is your first sentiment? I think for me, it's first the same thing. The first thought is always the same whenever I see something like this. This could be Robbie. Right. This could be my dad. Right. This could be my cousin, my nephew. Yeah. One day he's still a kid. No, because they do it to kids. So no, it could be him today. I can't even say when he gets older because that doesn't mm-hmm. even matter. You know, like doesn't even matter anymore. So I think that's my first, that's always like where I go, especially when it's a man. Right. And, you know, I think Sandra Bland for me was like the first woman that I can like recall that I know. And that's when it's like, okay, that could be me. Right. Or that could be my friend because Mm -hmm. also I've talked about this with other people as a light skinned woman, I have a privilege that I don't, I, 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 for some reason, light skinned women are not, they don't see me as assertive or aggressive as someone who is dark skinned. So then I also have that privilege to think it, it could, it most likely it also could be me, but then I have this privilege where for some reason, because I'm in the middle and I'm not dark enough, you know, and then I have to look at myself yeah. and know that I have that privilege. And I think seeing it over and over again is just, I think I'm, it's exhausting. Right. And it, it goes back to my thing like, so what has changed? Because Everyone talks about how, how much, how far we've come and how, and then this just like literally this a month ago, we had Ahmad and Brianna. That was in the beginning of May. Yeah. It's, we're going into June. So it's like, to me, I think it's, you're numb for, I think that's what I felt. I I was upset. I think this one triggered me more, but I didn't even watch the full thing because I'm numb and I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to look at it. And I don't want to look at the full video. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, man. I, I, it's, it happens again and again and again. And the people who are supposed to do something do nothing. Yeah. Do nothing. The president hates that Twitter fact-checked him. And the next day, <laughs> an executive order. An executive order. One day. Yeah. That's what's so, like... It's just mind-boggling, and then people are like, no, but he's not a racist, or like, and I, I will say this, that, which is still confusing to me, but it makes, I don't want to say it makes me feel better, but I have seen people in my area that live around here that 
listen, this area I will say is a big Trump supporter. Oh, me too. But I have seen people that I know have been vocal about Trump, supporting Trump. There's one person in particular, I'm not going to say his name, but that I went to high school with. And I have seen him condemn everything from the knee on the neck to the rioting. And then something in me is, I'm, I'm happy to see it. But at the same, in the same breath, I'm very confused because I'm not sure if you can teeter on that line. Um, are you going to, are you are upset enough to show up? Are you upset enough to show up? And are you, are you saying this is a change? Like, cause uh, how do you still support a man? Because you're making it clear. You don't think this is okay. And I've also been looking at people that they know that um, what happened to George Floyd and other people are wrong, but they are, they condemn the rioting. So I'm like, okay, well, you're teetering. So you need to, you're teetering on the side. So for me, when I see huge Trump supporters condemn this and see that it's wrong and understand why people are rioting, on the other side, I'm like, so what is it? Is it that morally you don't understand? Or, or is it really when you say like, oh, it's an economic thing. Like that's what matters more to you. Yeah. Like it, 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 it's hard for my brain. I, I'm happy to see it, but a minute after happiness, I'm confused. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't understand because you obviously seem to, you get this part. How don't you get the rest of it? You know, yeah. like, if that makes sense. Cause I feel like now I'm in a haze. <laughs> the, the craziest part of all this, uh, I got real, listen, I got, I almost, I almost texted you last night and said, I don't know if I can do this because I feel really out of place in the sense that Again, you know me, you know my heart, and I don't want to sound terrible, but here's the truth. What scares me the most, I've always, since college, you guys know, I've always had a job. I've always worked my ass off. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't give a fuck how much money I make in this lifetime. That's the truth. Because knowing me, I'll probably blow it on hookers and drugs anyway. That's who, who, I mean, listen, I'm the fuck up of the group. We know it. So <laughs> that's okay. To me, it's not about the dollars and cents. I'm always going to work, and I'm going to work hard. And that's that's just who I am. To me, though, the scariest thing about all of this is if I put myself in the shoes of someone I love and know, like my, I don't see, I don't see an ounce of hope right now. When there were other presidents I didn't agree with or I did agree with, I always felt like there was hope that this nation would become stronger, would become better, would become greater, more equitable amongst the different amongst us. I thought that I thought that this country would lead with dignity and with pride and with respect and the thing that scares the shit out of me is I don't I don't see any hope it scares it, it scares me to the core because I feel like when there's no hope people become apathetic and it's like why try right now it's George Floyd but who's the next one then who's the one after that if yeah. no, where, where do we go with there's no hope if I can't hope for a day where I can have a biracial son or where you can have a beautiful black son or daughter with Robbie, when comes the day where I can hope that they can go out, be pulled over for a speeding violation and not have to say, please don't shoot me? Where, where, where do we pull that hope from right now? Because I, I don't know. I'm this white man sitting here feeling hopeless. Yeah. What, what, what good can I do right now? And then putting myself in the shoes of my family like you and my dad's, when does it get better? Because we've known nothing else. Since we've been alive, it was Ronnie, then it was this guy, then it was that girl, then it was Brianna, then it was... It was it's it's just the names don't... Show. It's just names. It's more names on a list. 
Yeah. You've seen this before in history. When there were names on a list and there was numbers on your wrist, this does not end well. So when, when, when is there hope and where is the hope? Because right now, under this leadership, I do not see it. I don't. No. I don't, I don't particularly like the guy who's running on the other side. I don't love him. Yeah. But I feel a sense of authenticity and hope if it changes at the top. Yeah. The thing that scares, the, scares me the most is not these fucking assholes saying, well, the economic downfall. <laughs> the thing that scares me the most is yeah. the lack of hope that is so integral to our genetic as a country, uh, as one human race. I just, it's just that scares the shit out of me. I remember, I remember feeling that yesterday and just thinking, nothing I say can change things. Nothing I do can change things. And the people who can do something to change things refuse to do so. Yeah. We're, we're, we're stuck in neutral. We're stuck in neutral and flat clients. Where are we going to go? That scares the shit out of me. I think the only, I guess, the hope that we have is that someone like you, you know, has kids and passes that down or you talk to more people I th I think having more allies is the hope I think listen I black people can be mad we need white people we do and I'm not afraid to say that I think we need them and like how I saw I, said, I don't know where it was but where the line of white people at the protest stood in front of the black people that's that's the hope and I think that's what we need because yeah. at this point, I agree with you. At the top is not where it's going to happen. I think it's the people from the bottom. And I said this, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or after me and Aria ended, but I said, I think our parents, you know, their generation, they, they started little by little paving the way. Yeah. I think we are going to start the revolution. And I can only hope that our kids yeah. benefit. Yeah. Listen, I have, I have Charlie. Charlie's 11 years younger than me. When this happened, I sat in a room with her and I just said, you know, this is what's happening. I want you to watch these rights and I want you to see what's going on in the world. I want you to see that there's going to be white people who come in and loot and burn and blame it on the black people and the black people are going to get a bad rap for this. I want you, I want you to watch this. Yeah. I go, you're, you're 16 years old. I get that's the last thing you want to talk about. But you have, you have to understand. You don't have to agree with everything that's going on, but you have to understand and be aware. You have to understand that if you were out there, a cop wouldn't throw a fist at you. No. If your friend, if your friend Rachel from so and so is, uh, she she went on a team tour and she met this girl who is now one of her closest friends who's black and she's. I said if Rachel was out there and when you put it in terms like that, Charlie got very upset. It's like she goes out there, she's in, she there's she's not guaranteed to come home. You're guaranteed. You're probably guaranteed to come home. But she's not guaranteed to come home. Yeah. So you have to understand this. Again, me, I probably shouldn't have kids because I'm a fucking whack job, but. I think people need to have kids need to educate their kids better or let them kids decide for themselves, but stop being so overtly uh, aggressive on the way you pass down ideology. Stop because yeah. it's not, it's not going to get better. And again, I think the hope, sure, it comes from there, but it also, listen, I want to see, I would love to see the one thing I ever agreed with, this is so random, the one thing I ever agreed with our friend's dad on, John McCain, um, exactly. Want to get money out of politics, and I think if you get money out of politics and you make the playing field more equitable, I want to see more black women in Congress. I want to see more black women in the Senate. Yeah. The Senate is, I'm listen. I'm not sexist. I'm glad there's more women 
in Congress than any other time in history, you need more black women. You need more black women on the Supreme Court. You need more black district attorneys. You need more black judges. The country at the top should reflect what the country is like around the around, around the country. And, and we just don't. We don't. can't seem to ever make that happen. It's always a bunch of old white men making the decisions. Telling women what to do with their body, telling black men how long they have to go to prison for, but while they get richer, while they sell off stocks for insider trading. Well, they make money off of their backs. It, 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 it's fine. And the crazy thing is, even when it happens to them, even when a Republican congressman, Steve Scalise, is shot in the leg, because he benefits from the NRA, and the NRA probably paid off his health bills, he's, he's fine. I'm not going to make a law that changes the gun rules. Why would I? Yeah. So it, it's, again, I want to see, in my generation, I would love to see a more equitable world. A world where there is hope, a world where this is not normalized, a world, and listen, maybe that's naive, maybe that's ignorant, I don't know. I would like to see a world where people yeah. are held accountable for their actions. I agree. Because those other three cops, they haven't been arrested yet. You sat there and you watched murder. You're complicit. That's a silence that's complicit. That's complicit. <laughs> that just, the whole thing, the whole thing is baffling. It's really baffling. And it, it's actually, that's why it's not baffling. It's, it's the thing that I've said. It's like, I'm shocked, but no, I'm not. I'm, I'm shocked by the fact that I'm shocked by um, the, like, just the gruesomeness of it. I'm shocked by how barbaric it is. Yeah. I'm not shocked that another name has been added to the list. Exactly. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm not shocked that another name has been added to an already long list. Yeah. I am shocked that we allow this to become normal and become desensitized to it. I'd like to live in a world where I'm shocked that this hasn't happened in 10 years. That's the world I want to live in. That's, that's what I want to be shocked by, yeah. That's what, I, that's what I want to live in. Casey, I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you. Is there any, before we close out, is there anything you want to say? You said it all, actually. You're, listen, you're still a non-motherfucking factor. Okay, we're, that's it. <laughs>Okay, everybody, that wraps it up for this episode of Jane Nolaism. There will be a part two coming out on Wednesday. But until then, um, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please share, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. And I am also on Anchor, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Thank you all again for listening. And until next time.